If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support the show, go to patreon.com slash Media. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today, and welcome to episode 62 of Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast. Today, I'm joined by my fellow turtle brother, Lord Cognito. <laughs> turtles up, turtles up. The sirens are going. Everybody's yeah. excited. There we go, baby. I'm Let's so hyped. So hyped, so hyped. We got a lot to talk about, man. How you been, man? I'm doing quite well. Today was a great day, like a great day for entertainment. I don't think you could ask for better. You know, I thought the state of play, a lot of people were upset, but look, JRPGs, like you're speaking to the right guy. I thought it was solid. Some good announcements in there. We're going to talk about that here because some of them do pertain to Xbox because it's not just all console exclusivity there. Uh, also, we had the Kenobi trailer, which yeah. like episode three is my favorite Star Wars movie. So Ooh. when when the, at the 30 second mark, those of you who know, like you hear that track kick in goosebumps i was feeling it man childhood came back love what they're doing with this so far so i'm very excited for that uh overall just a, a really good day of entertainment so yeah feeling pretty good i'm feeling good too i felt like coming into this duke we were like damn what are we going to talk about we just talked about, they, yeah <laughs> yeah they're like stuff just kind of like boom came through and i'm like thank thankful it came out on a recording day yes, yeah yes. yeah <laughs> yeah we were just complaining because what was it that i was getting really annoyed about that broke the day the after f- we recorded. The fallout. The, the, I mean, the, the, fallout. Yeah, the fallout. New, New Vegas, New Obsidian. That's you were what like, it was. Come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was dropping <laughs> F-bombs over that one. I was yeah. I was royally pissed off when that dropped the day after we recorded. I was, I like, was Jeff, come on, man. One day early. It's all you needed to do. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. We got to go with it. We got to go with yes. today. Yeah, we do. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Defining Duke. If you're new here... We do a lot of fun stuff here, like Defining Duke Ultimate. Uh, our episode 58 just went live. The Xbox Direct is what we called it. Uh, funny enough, State of Play just went live, so you can get an idea of some things that were percolating in our brains on on where Xbox could go when they get Activision in-house, what, what they can do to present these games properly because for them to wait for these big moments on the big stage, like E3 timing, um, there's just too many things they're going to have to show off. So... As they expand, I think they'll need to find a new format. We talk about that in earnest for almost an hour. So it was yes. a really good conversation. Do you yes. agree? Oh, I love that you conversation. You got to be the hype man, right? You got yeah, to bring the new customers in. Got to bring them in. I told y'all. 
Ultimate. <laughs> when I do the Ultimate Warrior sign, I'm telling you, Ultimate is fire. By the way, we did drop the um, Mark Dara joint today. Yes, free yes, too. thank you. So that is free. Go check that out. So listen, if you get on Ultimate, but this one was really good because it, it we presented, I felt, a very good argument as to mm -hmm. the dilemma of actually adding all these studios and how do you present and, and which approach do you take and we looking at the competition it's a great episode check that out shout out to dust i like the thumbnail they had the yeah. little direct joint you yeah. know what i'm saying it was it was good i'm feeling it yeah he did great work there so yeah, that's sure. up right now for patrons uh also we have early access for this show so for, for those who are signing up it's not just ultimate you get early access to our show um yes. that's over on patreon.com slash last day in media but as you can tell with our dara interview we have no problem rewarding the freeloaders we we put yes, that out yes, pretty yes. quickly that was colin's call and i was totally cool with yeah, it because we're trying to grow too. our show so the, the, the sooner yeah. the better right is how i view yeah. it I, there's a lot more stuff i would put out for free if i could so thank you so much for those who go the extra mile and support our show with that let's catch up with the audience where you can write in on patreon.com slash last stand media just like mark grouch did he said this one's i i burst out laughing when i was reading this <laughs> <laughs> said hey one. duke boys no question this week just a story after hearing Maddie simp for blinks intermittently over the course of 50 plus episodes, I figured I'd give the game a try. <clears throat> I downloaded it through Game Pass, like the little throat clear. <laughs> you know what's coming. I downloaded it through Game Pass at the beginning of February and immediately knew it wasn't my cup of tea. Normally, I would have uninstalled the game and moved on with my life, but something about this fucking cat with a vacuum infuriated <laughs> me. And I knew this would be one of the few games I beat out of spite. This game consumed my life for a month as I inched closer and closer to the end every day. I reached the final <laughs> level where I was ready to take on the final boss only to find out it was a boss rush with an even harder four-phase final boss at the end. It was the only time in my life I've broken a controller. <laughs> and yes, it was my new Series X controller. Yo. I hate this game, but I managed to beat it the other night after putting a hole in the wall. Fuck you, Blinks. I'll see your furry ass again in the sequel once it arrives in the mail. Yo, I can't tell if he's joking. I can't tell if he's joking. Yo, I was dying off of this, man. This is hilarious. Like, you really put your, you, he was going through it. Yeah. I had no idea, right? Because I think I've seen Mark write in over the months. So, was he like developing a subtle hatred? Like, why is Maddie like this game? I made a video on Retro Rebound, like talking about it for like 15 minutes on how much I love this game. Like a true unique 3D platformer on the original Xbox. And he's sitting there just grumpy over it. I mean, the name is fitting, right? Mark oh, Grouch. Yeah, Mark Grouch. Grouch. I just like that he actually had to see what it was about. And yeah. even though he's hating it, he's still playing it. Yeah. That's the part gotta, that's funny. You got to like something about it, right? It's the same people who, I, I, as someone who's a longstanding member of the Bethesda community, so I saw a lot of interesting takes. And like, Skyrim sucks. I've put 150 hours into it. I'm like, it doesn't suck then. Like, Th it just, thank you, you. you don't put that many hours into something thank you dislike. You. I, I understand, you know, money's tight. Sometimes you just play the new thing that you have that's sitting mm -hmm. there. But there's, there's got to be something you're enjoying. Now, with Blanks, this is a shorter game. So maybe of Mark was just determined. Uh, I'm curious, Mark, if, you, if you're joking or not, please follow up. Did you actually order the sequel? And if so, why? If you broke a controller, you put a hole in the wall, there may be more here that you should, yeah. more of a reason why you should just stay away. You're not like, yeah. you're like me. I don't rage with games. So when I yeah. do rage, it's like, okay, I'm out. I got to put this to the side. I just that's not me that's not me right so it's bringing out sentence, the worst of him he said i'll see your fairy ass again in the sequel once as it arrives so he's coming back 
He He's, likes it. So something about it yeah. drew him in and kept him there. Yeah. And that's all I say. Again, it reminds me of people who are like, Destiny, I, I can't stand it. And I'm like, well, how do you have 100 hours? They're like, why? Mm -hmm. how do you still in this game? Something mm -hmm. clearly is keeping you there. Yeah. Shout out to Warcraft. The same people, it's the same people who go like, well, there's no content in this game after a new update drops and they burn through like 50 hours of it in a week. It's like, well, yeah, there's no, because you, you, the, the rate you played at, there's exactly. a lot there. Exactly. So. Thank you for writing in, Mark. Please do follow up on what's going on with the sequel. We're most interested. The next one's much more tame. It's a little bit of additional information from Switch Mitch Skates. Howdy, Duke dudes. I wanted to write in because of last week's brief conversation about Destiny 2 on Steam Deck. As I know, this game is very important to Cog and that he appreciates more information. And I can't imagine there are many fellow Linux nerds in your audience. The fact is that Bungie is needlessly being combative against Steam Deck slash Proton. They're citing cheating as a reason to not support Linux, but the anti-cheat software used in Destiny 2 BattleEye is supported and working right now with games like Ark Survival Evolved and DayZ. Anti-cheat software has typically been a huge roadblock for many games to gain support on Linux, but with the announcement of Steam Deck having both BattleEye and Easy Anti-Cheat support enabled on the platform, even a new release like Elden Ring, which uses Easy Anti-Cheat, which for those who know, you fire it up and it's literally the first block that pops up, is fully functioning. I, for the life of me, can't figure out why a company making a live service game wouldn't want more users to have access to their game. I hope you have a my favorite game just got deck support kind of day. <laughs> That's how I felt about Trails in the Sky, uh, the th the third. I, I, I wanted mm -hmm. to play it on my Steam Deck, the first game I wanted to play there, and I heard it wasn't supported. Then someone on Reddit said, no, you can play it. So yeah. I, I understand this sentiment. Loud and clear. Cog, how do you feel about uh, what Switch Mitch Skate had to share here? Yeah, it's a great point because, you know, again, I don't claim to be a developer, but it, it just seems very strange that the, the 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 stance that they take publicly in their TWAP, they have this weekly, this week at Bungie announcement they do, and they brought it up. They were like, you know, we're not supporting it. You know, they use kind of statements like at this time, they talked about the anti-cheat stuff. And here's my thing. I'm with Switch Mitch in a sense that like it doesn't make sense to me when other people use BattleEye, Easy Anti-Cheat, and their games are on the deck with no problem. So to me, this just sounds like big corporate with a snafu between Valve and Bungie. And in Bungie's defense, the only thing I will say is that they notoriously had problems with cheating. Like mm. it, before this BattleEye thing, it was it was a mess, bro. Like, I remember that. It, bro, Trials of Osiris, one of their highly competitive mode, was completely abused. People were paying people for accounts and and doing like they were so egregious with the cheating. They didn't even care. They were like, "What you gonna do? Yeah, you gonna stop us? Yeah, anti cheat is terrible." You know what I'm saying? Like they they were outside, so <laughs> it was that bad, bro. So I think the vibe is there must be something custom that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And I think this is Bungie's way of putting pressure on Valve for, I guess, whatever this custom OS or whatever tweak they need to do behind the background. Mm -hmm. That's the vibe I get because I agree with them. It can't be that difficult, but there is something that they are concerned about. And being that Bungie just came from a very wild, wild West PVP situation, they're fearful. So I think that's what this is. But I, cooler heads are going to prevail. This is going to get worked out because the key language is not at this time, so mm -hmm. it's, it's going to happen. I'm not worried about it too much. Right on.
Next write in is from Sean Mason. Hey, Dukes, as I am sitting writing this, I'm pleased to let you and the audience know that the students in my video game club are playing Sea of Thieves. It's the first time the kids have put down the Switch in favor of the Xbox. They are currently having four Xboxes set up on their own TVs and are riding through the seas looting ships. The amount of joy on their faces is truly something special. No question this week. Have an amazing day. Best, Sean M. Thank you, Sean, for writing in. Yes. Big Sean, salute, man. He always says uh, really cool things to the Dukes mm-hmm. on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Big supporter, LSM. Salute to him. That's cool, man. I mean, again, it's it's interesting to see, like, what the younger generation gravitates towards. And, you know, that's yeah. not my generation, but it's like the Fortnites, the Sea of Thieves. These are big followings, right? Mm-hmm. And, and to see people like, yo, this these social games where you make the story and you make the fun, kind of, yeah. right? It, it, it's just it's still going by storm and the content map I remember the, the roadmap they had for the mm-hmm. upcoming Sea of Thieves you know for the year and, and the end of this year it's still robust man so salute to Sea of Thieves it's still got that player base and people still loving this game absolutely and a good pick for a, a group of kids certainly you could throw them on Halo Infinite because they made a T for teens so there's not as much blood not as much of that Halo combat evolved bloody scenes. You, oh, you yeah. can throw them on that next, Sean, if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Really throw them into the fire pit. Yeah, why not? All right, next, uh, just some announcements that happened at State of Play that I thought were worth highlighting. Selfishly, I got to pick the one that relates to me the most first. TMNT Kawabunga Collection coming this year. They're saying it's 13 different Ninja Turtle games. They showed off nine of them so far, and these are ones like turtles in time mm. tournament fighter i i this is one of those rare moments where normally when i skip out an event it's well advised like i knew we had to find a duke this was a moment i was like i wish there was a camera i was by myself in the retro rebound room next door just popping off losing my <laughs> shit like i couldn't believe it because what? for those who don't know outside the door for those who are video uh, viewers you'll you'll see to the right there is a turtles in time cabinet and it's from One Up. Uh, I, I, it's one of my favorite games ever made. I love this Classic. game, and I'll play it sometimes. Like when a video is rendering, I'm like, yeah, a little 15 minutes here or there to know that I can get some achievements, platinum trophy. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, nice. mm-hmm. I'm all Always about beautiful. that. And that there are four more to reveal. Cog. I mean, Ooh. I'm wondering. This is from Konami. I'm wondering yeah. because they published the TMNT games that define my childhood in the Correct. 2003 era with yeah. Battle Nexus with mutant mm-hmm. nightmare i'm wondering if they could find a way i'm wondering i'm hoping they do because that'll be dude this is what's dangerous about this year because then okay. it's game over it's like i i can't miss that i can't miss i already yeah. can't miss it but i strictly cannot miss it if they put those in there as well and this is what we said with 2022 is dangerous because you got the big games planned out you're like okay we're seeing release date shift we have some release dates we're going to talk about soon some yeah, release dates we're going to talk yeah. about later in the show it's like okay i'm planning it all out but these remasters, these collections, these nostalgia grabs just out of thin air can appear. The one that will break me, and I just feel it's going to happen, Mega Man Battle Network collection. Because Capcom oh. has hit every single Mega Man collection that has mattered to me. And it even introduced me to newer ones. Like, I never played Mega Man Zero before. They are missing Battle Network. They are missing Star Force. And normally, I'd be like, well, these are Game Boy Advance games. But so were the zero games. So that's going to be the next one that just breaks me where I'm like, Oh, I gotta just like figure out how to fit this into this busy schedule. So very pumped about the Kawabunga collection from Konami. Yeah. Can't wait for that. That's you. Didn't see that coming. No, not at all. The sheer amount of content and nostalgia alone is worth the price of admission. I'm actually curious of 
the, if they're going to do the older ones, the old NES ones that were like single player, I'm curious if they're doing how far they're going with them mm-hmm. because there's so many turtle games. But to me, like one of the crown jewels for me will always be the arcade turtles in time like that oh, yeah. that was just special and then mm-hmm. even the super nes one oh you know you threw you threw them to the screen and all that like yes yeah you remember that one you know yeah. what I'm saying? like they, they, there's some joints that i just for nostalgia purposes i want to see if they really hit them and yo ninja turtle has a, has a storied history that is an amazing that's gonna sell like hotcake it, it's i'm, oh, just, I'm in i'm, I'm in. so on, on a serious note i'm so thankful that they're bringing them back in in a way that matters like shredder's revenge cowabunga collection like i obviously i'm a huge fan i still read the comics to this day if anyone wants a good starting point try out last ronin it's so gritty and different like you'll be very surprised that it's a ninja turtle thing because for years it's been nickelodeon and these while yeah. some of them have been decent people forget how serious bloody and dark the ninja turtle universe actually is and yes. and it's how it started off and it's not me just being a comic book geek like even the 2003 series like it was so dark at times and so just to see that they're bringing them back like this is a a, a series that just reeks of the needing to be in more pop culture like it needs more yes. movies and it definitely fits well in a game space as we've seen before and i want to see them go beyond 2d now like okay yeah. check the yeah. interest and then go beyond 2d because there is just the sky's the limit here so i'm just ecstatic that they're they're bringing back my turtles I, I love to see it yes all right next cog this one is all you trek to yomi uh they have a release window of spring 2022 uh this is important to note because this is a game pass game uh, a lot of people were hyped going oh what playstation got this i'm like yo we talked about this on defining duke months mm-hmm. ago it is a day one game pass game now they're putting a release window spring 22 how mm. are you feeling about mm. this one this this is my like the way i felt with Sifu coming in, when I first saw Sifu, this is this is the mm. gaming ninja vibe right here. Mm. This is true oh, samurai yeah. essence. This is that you know the low hat, the winds, the vibe, mm-hmm. Bushido blade kind of a, a of an essence as well. And um, the art style is really cool. I will say this is interesting though because there's one thing about this outside of the game that I find very interesting: the fact that it was on the PlayStation State of Play. Not that mm-hmm. they can't promote it, right? But what it's showing me is that even though if it's a Game Pass game day one, that doesn't preclude it from being marketed somewhere Very else. Very true. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay. Because, again, the the old, I guess my old way of thinking would be, oh, it's Game Pass day one. Microsoft has the marketing, but that mm-hmm. seems separate, right? Like, yeah, very I'm wondering how that worked out. That That's actually yeah. a, a great anomaly you pointed out. Like, that, yeah. I'm actually unsure how they figured that one out. Yeah, like I, I'm dying. To know. It's so interesting. Game Pass deals are so interesting to me. But now nah, this is one on my my radar. Devolver salute. I'm in day one. I hope it executes. I got uh, high promise for that one. Absolutely, it looks excellent. So I'm right there with you. I think it looks mm-hmm. great. Uh, and another excellent indie get for Xbox. So keep an eye out on that one. The last set of games, and there was more here, but there were updates on like Forspoken, Returnal, yeah. stuff that I think is kind of irrelevant to this show, more relevant to Secret Symbols. Yes. I want to talk about number one, the return of the Valkyrie series. So Valkyrie Profile was really popular back in the kind of mid-2000s, and it's coming back in Valkyrie Elysium, uh, which art style-wise looks a little funky, but like just to see Valkyrie back is, is awesome. Um, so I'm very excited about that one. But more to the point that you and I want to talk about on a developer front, on a game front, people have been asking Square to do Final Fantasy Tactics, and instead they do Diofield Chronicles. Uh, and what's Ooh. interesting is when you you peel back 
a little bit of the, the mm-hmm. layers you learn. Who's working on this one is Platinum Games is on yeah. this. Landcars Limited is also working on it. Their name was specifically mentioned in the press release that was sent out okay. for this game. I want to mention that as well. Mm-hmm. So it may be a co-development, a support yeah. development effort. But that was the that was the logo that popped at the end of the trailer. And of course, Square Enix is in on this. Uh, these Both these games are apparently coming in 2022. So that's very exciting because just they poured it on with JRPGs this whole show. But oh, yeah. Cog, you really were like, "Ooh, I like what I'm seeing with Dealfield yeah. Chronicles." So let's start with that. Let's, uh, you know, yeah, what did you like about it? This is all me right here. First of all, the art style is giving me, um, it's kind of giving me a little cross between Final Fantasy Tactics and then this, like, my boys from um the Switch, uh, oh, why am I forgetting the name? The big Switch, oh, uh, Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem. Oh yes, 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 yeah. So it's giving me that. It's a tactics game. I just like the character design. I'm looking at the armors. I'm feeling that. Mm-hmm. And then again, that tactics. It's the art style. It's very cool. Even the way the architecture is looking right now in the world. Mm-hmm. I'm in on this one. This is me. Yeah. This is screaming to me. Like this is my style. What about you? I thought the art style actually. It's funny. I I, I thought it looked kind of weird. Um, really? But the, the game itself, like the gameplay, my friends and mm. I were watching it and I was sitting there just like, wow, this actually looks fun. They were not crazy about it, but mm. I thought that the gameplay looked really cool because it was like real time tactics where you yes. saw them moving around the field and then the, the action would pause and you'd pick a couple of moves and they would keep moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that. I love that. You know, for, for all we criticize Square Enix. I love the type of games they're supporting on a Japanese level. I love seeing tactics come back. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, triangle strategy. Blah, 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 triangle strategy in a little bit. We see this with Dio Field Chronicles. I love seeing the, the 16-bit games that bring back Live Alive and, again, triangle strategy. Like They're supporting a really unique type of game here, and while they certainly flop on a Western front in some regards, um, they're they're doing a cool job with, with some of these JRPGs. So I'm, I'm very pumped for both these games. They're absolutely yes. on my radar, but uh, Dio feed Chronicles like that one gameplay wise pumped about graphics art style wise, less so it looked kind of undecided. It looked kind of undecided. Like it was very flat and then okay. you'd see the cut-ins for attacks and they looked very manga esque. And I'm like, yes. what are we going for here? I can't tell. Mm-hmm. And it's not like Octopath where it's that, Oh, I, I get what you're trying to do here. Like cool. retro, yet modern. This just looked low budget, honestly. And if, <laughs> and if Platinum Games is in on it, I'm like, okay. Oh, then they're like, they're like, okay, Babylon's fine. You just lost a hundred grand. Sorry. <laughs> Damn. We're going we're gonna to dock your back. I guess it was the one little cinema where they showed a guy with the armor. And it was kind of like one thing for me, I'm a sucker, sucker for like regal armor. Mm-hmm. And I like the armor style. So maybe that's what got me. But mm-hmm. I will give you that. Like it, it ain't looking like the Budget is crazy, yeah. crazy. I, yeah. I give you that for sure, for sure. So that's what's going on with State of Play. We just wanted to mm-hmm. discuss some of those hot announcements real quick and what was a 20-minute showcase. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
And now it's time to talk about what games we are playing here. And now I want to start off with you, Cog. What have you been up to? Yeah, man, coming slowly out of my destiny coma, but I've been wrapped up, man. Vow of Disciple Raid. The raid came through, and boy, did they deliver. They delivered mm, another nice. one. Man, it was it was tough. It was tough. But uh, I will say that um, the thing about the raid, this one that was really cool, was without spoiling too much from a lore perspective, it introduced the new future threats for okay. Destiny okay, and the Destiny cool. lore. Like, this is the, the most lore-packed moment where now you question everything that has happened prior between your relationship with all the other alien races. And yeah, this new threat is no joke, man. It's, it's really cool. And the only vibe I will say is that it was going like going through a pyramid and this other race is collecting older civilizations and yeah. trophy. Like it's like going through the American history museum of a conquering race. And it's like, yeah, we got, we got, you know, this, we, we got a, this race, the one that you've been fighting. We, like we've been through it and it, it's just so cool. But I will say this, one of their best raids, communication has to be on point a little bit too symbol heavy. Uh, that's only not knock to it. What is but that the, by the way? Symbol heavy. Like So basically the way raid mechanics work are like, sometimes they'll be like, um, okay, you go to a totem, you go to a certain area, and they, the game wants people to remember certain symbols and drawings, mm. right? So that you can proceed to another encounter. Gotcha. This one has a lot. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, Bungie, like, this is a lot of things gotcha. to remember. And if you don't remember a couple of these or have good call-outs between teammates, you could really mess up certain mm. encounters. So mm. communication is key. Everyone knowing their role is key. But yeah, it was really good, man. So I'm finishing out. And then once you beat the raid another uh post story campaign has opened up and you're learning what? more about this yeah it's what? crazy bro wow yeah, destiny it, it, listen wow how much eight, is it like how much content beyond that like oh, is it another brother. full story or yeah it's still blow going on wow we're learning more like th this is a 18 bungee story storytelling like i had um shout out to ray gun he was on um last word by destiny only podcast yeah. woody bontis and um ty guy travis and he said it he was like look I'm going to tell you how right now, this is, you know how much he feels about Halo and Bungie. Mm -hmm. He was like, Witch Queen is such A-class storytelling. He's got it like that close to his beloved Halo 3. Like he's saying like, this wow, is cool. That's Bro, huge I'm trying to tell people, Destiny's story is in a phenomenal place. The mm -hmm. only knock you can say is everything prior where you've been vaulted and, you know, say so you got to get That's caught up That's what's holding me back, bro. If yeah. they break open the vault and they're like, it's I back, I, I I'll, I'll give it a shot. I don't know if I'll I love it as you. much, but I'll give it a shot, man. That's They got to know, right? They got to know, like, this is the play. Like, this is what's holding people like me back. And there's so many because yes. all you hear now, it's it's no longer 2014, 2015, where it's like point and laugh. They, they drop the ball. It's like they got it now. They get yeah, it. They got it. They're rolling with it, and and they Ooh. understand their community. Now they got funds from Sony. Like they're yeah. about to go to a whole new level. Like this Bro. is the time you unlock that vault. So I'm hoping they do. Yeah. I really do. And last point I'll say is with the Sony deal, I could see now with after this raid and how the the narrative has changed, and I could see now the potential for a series. I could see it now. Nice. Now I'm like, okay, it makes sense why they nice. did this deal. Nice. Mm -hmm. So what's going on with you, man? Uh, so Elden Ring, it's done. Yes. The job <gasps> is done. All right. What's up? 104 hours, it's done. I'm not done Jesus. playing it, but 104 right. hours, I've completed the, the main content and most of the side stuff. All right, let's talk about it. 
I'm sad it's over, man. It was a game uh, that uh, you know you finish and you're like, there will, you know, when will I experience that kind of thing again? Because uh, it was a special moment. Like me and a couple of buddies all were reviewing it and got it early, so it was like this. When you were in that bubble, which I've been in a number of times for reviews, when you're in that bubble and you're just your mind is blown. When it comes to the time where the embargo lifts, you just want to explode and just let everyone know, especially in this case, like how incredible this is. And I always remember that because you're just in, again, this bubble finding out all these crazy things about this game where I almost couldn't believe it was real. And then seeing the audience in turn react the same way was like very validating where everyone's just been blown away by it. So I finished it. Yeah, this is like one of the best open world games made. I, I don't know if, I, I I feel pretty confident saying like it's the best open world game because I'm already starting to feel the impact. Mm. I was looking to dive into Horizon finally, and I'm not going to judge oh, it too harshly. But I was looking to dive into Horizon. And I know, don't worry, Xbox games will fall prey to this too. Mm-hmm. I started to see the HUD pop-ups. You loot a chest and there's like 18 different text blocks. I'm like, this is hurting already. Like this is not... I'm realizing the intent of design behind Elden Ring is even yeah. more special than what I yeah. thought I previously understood. And, you know, again, I'm just feeling that impact where I'm not going to dislike Horizon off the bat or any other open world game, but it's like that feeling of it's not quite what Elden Ring was. Yeah. And that's that's a poison, man. That's a that's a dangerous poison in game takes. I want to jump in because I was listening to the Sacred Symbol Boys go, and I was shout out to Dustin, mm. and I'm listening to them talk about it, and uh, and Ray Gun, and they were just like, "Look, man, like, it." I kind of that's where I'm tempted because I'm like, I like this idea of the non hand holding, and I'm, I love that idea. And where they were selling me was that, you know, from the standpoint of okay. You know, even if you don't want to just play it like a traditional Souls game and just tough boss, mm-hmm. tough encounter, whatever, you could go explore and then go find something and yes, then you can. build your character up that way. But I love that fact that it was like true exploration. And what's over there? Let me go investigate. Mm-hmm. And all that, that's what discourages me. I'm going to be honest. I have crazy open world fatigue, right? Crazy. This will like, renew I'm you. So sick of you. open world on a certain level. I'm not going to lie. Like, you have to hit a lot of points. And everything I hear about this game, I'm like, all right, this might be the one. I might have to break the rule, get back mm-hmm. in, because y'all selling me. I ain't going front. Y'all really selling me it's on this. It's just, it's so against what I'll say in closing, because I've talked about it multiple weeks in a row yeah. now, and I know with Dustin talking about it, it's, you know, I don't want to kill it for everyone. No, what no, I'll just no. say in closing is the what makes this game special, and it's why you saw like Horizons Forbidden West developers and Ubisoft developers trying to combat against this game, is it goes against conventional triple a game design triple a game design these people are taught to make things accessible and understandable to a casual audience like that's just the the bare facts of it all like they are taught put your hud markers here alert them to everything possible they don't get it make sure they get it and for the people who already get it it's just an additional tool that they can use if they want right so it hurts no one in their eyes Elden Ring is a game with a triple A budget that above and beyond really anything we've seen before that throws all that away they tell you nothing they trust you to figure it out. Love that is, that. again, completely against AAA design. They don't spend their time making tutorials and pacing things out in a specific way. They instead layer their boss fights to teach you new mechanics that you discover yourself. And you're like, okay, the weapon skills are good against this boss. Now I'm going to start using them. And 
every step of the way you get a little bit better with something else and you, you add a new tool to your arsenal. That's just that level of game design that only FromSoft can do because they've done it for well over a decade now. So that's again why everyone's befuddled by this game because it goes against the norm. So if you are like Cog and you're having open world fatigue, yeah. th this game is the move if you feel you're up for the challenge because it's funny. Ooh. A lot of people mentioned like, oh, I've gone away. I've leveled up. I've come back. I'm like, bro, I've come back and leveled up and everything. And I, I still get my ass beat. Like, <laughs> it, I don't think I'm bad at this game by any stretch. But this game's tough. You're going to die tough. many a times, especially in open world where a boss fight can drop out of nowhere. You're like, oh, shit. But I think that the, the I don't want to call it novelty. That's almost doing a disservice. But the shock mm. and awe of like when that boss fight hits, you're like, wait, just here and now you want to go here and now? In this open world, like nothing, there's no wall I walk through. There's no trigger yeah. point I hit. It just happened. Mm. Everyone, I think, will weather the storm because of just the amazement they'll be in. So, Cog, I'm just saying, man, if you give it a shot, I think it'll be worth it. You'll be chipping through it for a while, but I think it's worthwhile. It's it's definitely something that I think people should experience, which is why I kind of want to stop talking about it now because yeah, it's just a game to be, a game to be yeah. experienced, really. So what's this other thing you play? Triangle strategy, Cog, you'd love this it. one, man. So it. this comes from Square Enix and Art Dink, and it is made in the same vein as Octopath Traveler, one of my very favorite recent JRPGs. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, this presents a HD 2D or 2D HD. It, I, I don't know which way it goes, but that's the art style that they uh, present for these types of games. And for those who saw Live Alive, it's that same art style of 16-bit character sprites, in Unreal Engine 4. And it's just this perfect blending of nostalgia and modernism that's beautiful. Uh, so I'm about 15 hours-ish in to this game, and I'm really liking it. Um, the reviews came out, and they were pretty positive. There were some complaints about the storytelling because it was too long form. Like, you'll go 30 minutes to even an hour at times just reading text, dialogue, uh -huh. going through a lot of cutscenes. To me, I think it's worth it because it seems like they understood as a brand, like, hey, Octopath Traveler's story was so out of the way, it hurt the game. Now, they may have gotten to the other extreme, but for me, this is like the best way I could sell it. It's like, this is mm -hmm. 16 bit Game of Thrones. Everyone's Ooh, got an oh. ulterior motive, okay, one okay. hand behind the back with holding the dagger <laughs> because you have these three kingdoms that mm. are fighting over this resource called Salt Iron. There's this thing called the Salt Iron Wars. Now they're in an uneasy piece. And of course, you know, that piece is going to snap at any moment in time. Like you could feel it right from the get go. Like these, these people are just trying to appease until they can get what they want. And so honestly, nowadays with the, the conflict ongoing in Ukraine, just some of the writing I think is, is so powerful. It really is. And, um, given that how long game development takes, I admire the game more because it feels like it has a true grasp of war its impact economically and on the people who who are trying to get out of the way of it. So it, it's just been resonating with me and just because of the time period I'm playing it in. But also it's it's just a, a really well-written game aside from all of that. And um, I like it because it's presenting so much storytelling because once you understand the characters, the nations, their motives, because there's a lot of it and it starts popping off. And I'd say around chapter five, like really unraveling, it gets so good. Um, and beyond that, for those who don't know, Triangle Strategy is a tactics game. So uh, it, it is not like Octopath where it's turn-based. And uh, this game has so many different classes. Like there's a dude who can build ladders around the map. 
and you can just <laughs> climb these ladders and then you can like get to the high ground and when you're on the high ground kind of like divinity original sin the okay. bow and arrow at the high ground does more damage more spells damage, yeah. at the high ground do more damage gotcha so tactics involvement mm -hmm. everywhere and uh, it's a tough game. It's a tough game. Ooh. My biggest complaint is probably that uh, you'll be underleveled for stuff and there's no way to farm. So you just die. You lose the fight. They'll let you keep your XP. So you kind of pseudo farm. Okay. <laughs> if you will, okay. incidental farming is what my friends and I call it. Yeah, 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 you're, like, you're like, oops, I farmed, but I keep all my XP, all of right. my kudos, everything. Uh, that's my biggest complaint with the game. But otherwise, really, really enjoying it. This is one of my most hyped games of the year. I know Elden Ring has kind of dominated the conversation. Fortunately, this game's already sold 500,000 copies. Uh, which is really, oh, wow. really good. Uh, really, really good. I'm telling you, there's an audience for these 16-bit games. Like People yeah. want more of them. So I'm happy that Square Enix is providing them. And the, the profit margin for these games is probably absurd. It's it's actually probably insane. So, uh, oh, and, and last thing. This game has choice and consequence, which speaks oh. to my soul. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, you have these invisible parameters for your convictions, like liberty, loyalty, so on and so forth. And as you make choices, they don't tell you what's increasing, which I don't like, uh, but it makes you pay attention to dialogue and the writing a lot more because you're like, you know, how are people responding to things? And uh, you'll have these things called the scales of conviction. And okay. when you make certain choices in the story, it's a group of you and like eight people and you get together. Everyone's got their perspectives and you can walk around, collect information, speak to them, try to convince them to join your side of the argument. It's like, no, we're going to invade over here. They're like, no, we should defend here. And so you make these choices and the outcome is like you'll experience different battles. A lot of the story points will end up converging at the same end, right. but you'll have different permutations throughout. So okay. really, really cool game, really cool game, trying some new ideas. And I'm excited to see more of these uh, HD2D games nice. from Square. Salute, salute. Whew, all right. Let's get into the audience questions before the news, starting up with number one, Eric McCarty. He writes in, hey, boys. All right. I'll just ask it. The ace in the hole for Game Pass is always day and day games. That's great, except for one problem. Where are the games? Seriously, is there anything of note coming out anytime soon? That's not Starfield. Meanwhile, across the aisle, you have Sifu, Horizon, Gran Turismo 7, Ghostwire Tokyo, and Forspoken from first and third party. Now, Forspoken did get delayed. Did delay, yeah. All of them coming out soon. This was written by, before the delay, by the way, so no shame yeah. on Eric. No here. shame on you. Yeah. Xbox doesn't help the meme of only having Forza and Halo when all they have to put out of note is just those games. Sorry for the rant, but with all due respect, get some fucking games out. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, Eric, I know where you're going. I, I, I definitely get the concern from a first party standpoint. Yes, I get that. But I can't I can't go all the way hard as far as Game Pass because January, February, there was joints in there. You know what I'm saying? And we just had um, what you call it? The the. Um, Oh, Guardians announcement, stuff like that. So mm -hmm. Game Pass has been feeding. It's just that from a first-party standpoint, yes, I'm with you. Like, from a first-party standpoint, we've talked about it, you know, a lot, which is that first half of the year. Like, what's mm -hmm. what's really going on? What's popping? So, yeah, this is a legit concern on that part. I do feel, I know this going to sound like a little bit of a cop-out slash excuse, but I do feel once the Redfall Starfield train hits, from that point on, mm -hmm. it's on and popping mm -hmm. as far as the consistency, the Ninja Theory stuff, you know what I mean? The Hellblade stuff, the Avowed stuff, the Fable stuff. Like, it it, it should be a cadence that yes. we figure out that, that rolls up. So it's on them, though. It's on them to fill these gaps. And, yeah, like, you know, March is out here. Like, you know, there's 
you know, what's going on, uh, April? What's going mm-hmm. on? So that that is valid concern, and this is something we called out. Uh, you know, the Dukes, we got, we we were on this. What's going on? And I saw your tweet, Maddie. Like, yeah, yeah. Funny know. enough, I wrote this and I saw this, and I went, "Wow, well, this is definitely something we we should definitely discuss." So I'm gonna let you go right now with it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm of the mindset that they need to figure out their early year problem. The last half yes. of the year is never an issue for Xbox. They Agreed. always, like June and on, have things going on. But it's, and, and Cog, you've said this many times. Like, the first half of the year for Xbox is just not okay. Like, it, it's been a problem for a while. That's why I said it now. Probably at the best time to say it because they just bought Activision Blizzard. And you do, you do know in 2023, hopefully, things will start rolling out where they will get on this regular cadence of having quarterly releases with, with everything that's been in the oven for so long. But there is a problem here where they do leave the platform dormant. And I know we can lean on Game Pass announcements, uh, but I think this is where they need to be a little bit more wise. And this is easier to say in hindsight. This is where we just learn. And so I'm not saying I have a problem with it, but they need to be a little bit more wise with the games they wield. What I mean by that is you and I, Cog, Let's talk about it. We were, we'll talk about it more. We were team delay for Halo. We were team delay for Halo. It came in. It was good. It was great in many ways. Mm -hmm. It's in a really tough spot now, as we'll talk about in our first news item. Yes. Now, of course, you couldn't predict what was going to happen with Stalker 2, which needed an eight month delay. And then, of course, what happened in Ukraine. You you just, Xbox can only anticipate so much. They're not clairvoyant. Exactly. But I don't think you should hinge all of your plans for a certain period of the year on one game then that's the 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 devil's advocate point i i play for that but what was the the perspective of getting it out right we, everyone in media was pressing get halo out i don't get why especially because now myself included everyone's complaining about the state of halo infinite they delayed co-op again we'll talk about all this extensively but would the solution here have been delay halo into march and now you've got a little, or not a little, I'm sorry, a big release here in the first part of the year because your your last part of the year, month over month, you guys were dominant. Like, mm-hmm. even if you delayed Halo, it would have sucked, of course, but there was, there was so much there that I think many Xbox fans would have been satiated and right. you would have had something to fill in this part of the year. And if these two go next to each other back-to-back months, then you clearly showed you had no problem with that in the fall. So I can't right. say that, oh, well, Halo would have overshadowed Stalker too. Anyway, I'm kind of rambling now. No, what are your thoughts on on how Xbox has sort of handled this situation? Because certain things they couldn't foresee, certain things I think they were ill-prepared for. Yeah, I think it goes back to our initial argument. See, the the, the reason for the del- we want to delay, we want the best version of the game and you don't want to sacrifice the short term for the long term. So you look at the top of the year and yet, like you said eloquently, like we couldn't predict the Stalker situation, no doubt. But from a first party perspective, Halo still would have hit. And here's the other thing, like we forget Forza was rocking. Mm-hmm. Like Forza was a movement. Like Forza could have held that down and and, and been okay. And remember the thought process. Now, granted, we got proven wrong, so to speak, from a from a financial standpoint and from an MPD standpoint, Halo and Forza being next to each other showed that they didn't cannibalize each other. Right. So I'll Mm -hmm. give Microsoft that decision overall. Yes. But from the long term health of that game, which we're going to get into further with the questions today on on the Duke. Now we start to see the Wart show. Mm -hmm. And now your long-term population could be in trouble if you don't get these things addressed. So I'm with you. I'm still would have, I'm still going to stay on team delay, even though it worked out financially, yeah. because now if it would have hit, it would have been a better version 
and you would you be able to compensate for this drought you got because what really is going on like what what's the next one was it tunic what what's, what's tunic's what's, the next one I, I'm not gonna downplay Tunic, but yeah, like we, we have to be, but... yeah. But we have to be yeah. realistic that these indies are not on the same level right now. JRP, or JRPGs, wow, you yeah. know where my head's at. Triple yeah. A games, <laughs> right, From a double A and triple A perspective, what's going on, right? right. Like from from now to June, like mm. what? I mean, granted, there's games that haven't been announced, but I, I don't know what's coming on on first first party. And then we, you know, we, are we going to talk about the Redfield, Redfall? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's another thing. We don't know. Like, yeah. there's a lot going we on. Don't know if so, hit that date, right? So, the only thing we know is Starfield. That we know, right? So, this is these are the, these are the questions they yeah. put. These are the things and the situations they put themselves in. And I'm hoping. With 20, from the end of 2022 to the top of 2023 on that these issues are kind of a thing of a past yes. because historically I'm with you. The first six months from a first party perspective is always dry and yeah. I hate backloading everything for the holiday. Because it's fall. already busy for everyone else. Like Yeah, so I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, I... You know, I, I just want to say on the note of Game Pass Day One games that yeah. they have had some seriously awesome additions with, yeah. you know, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, Hitman Trilogy, Guardians of the Galaxy, Galaxy. some some very soon after the launch. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want to sound too greedy here, so I'm yeah. not going to rant and rave on it, but they've been kind of soft on the Day One game announcements yes, for yes, yes, Game Pass. Day they, one, yes. I they, agree. you know, I, I'm excited for Two Point Campus, Pac-Man Museum. Like, th- these are not day one pops mlb the show is yes the mlb the show we right. forgot about that that's big right. that's a big one that's what's that april the shock and all is kind of passed for that one but yeah. that's april and and it hurts that the season is kind of now yes the base mlb season that's not their fault yeah. but the mlb season is on strike mm-hmm. so that takes a little bit of thunder from that you know what i mean it's like yeah. those circumstances they care but i'm with you the issue is exactly what you said it's the day and date third party stuff because they're adding Mass Effect, they're adding Hitman, but let's be honest, those were out already. Yep. Your Guardians was out already, right? What's day and date that's big that people want? <clears throat> Elder Ring. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that you should be grabbing up. And, and, yeah. and if you can, if you, like, that's what I want to see. You need another Outriders for 2022. Mm-hmm. What, what's your big game for that's day and date that's on a, the other platform that you're yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah. No, I'm definitely. That, you know, I, Xbox. I, I yeah. completely agree. And yeah, you, you look at Strangers of Paradise, I think is a great candidate. You look at something mm-hmm. like Tiny Tina's Wonderland. Like if I'm Xbox, I'm all over that. It's all got the Game Pass DNA. Like, yo, everyone knows Borderlands. People Dude. love Borderlands. It's co-op. Like there's Dude. just so much there that just screams like, get the deal done. Of course it takes two to tango. But my point being, and again, why I don't want to hinge my whole argument on it is yeah. why I put it in the back end is, you know, I just feel like, a lot of their first half of the year plans are coming up short for me, at least. You know, of course, the Activision idea. Blizzard thing is is so exciting. I'm not wiping that under the rug because it's not, you know, a a, a big deal anymore. It is still yeah. super exciting, and we talked a ton about it for three, four yeah. weeks straight. But I just think it's funny because when I, you mentioned my tweet, when I put it out there, a lot of people were like, "So we're measuring success by exclusives now." I'm like, "Did you miss the whole fucking Xbox One, Jen? <laughs> Did you forget already? Because we got Halo Infinite in last last fall." Did we just forget? Or I'm sorry, winter? Like, <laughs> yes, this stuff matters still, sadly. It does. No, no, and, no. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people were like knee jerking. Like, it's a it's an industry about what do you do for me now? And I'm like, yes, like, I, I don't though. like it. But yes, like, 
especially when you have a their games take a while to make so no one's upset really with the first party thing because we know that's coming but when you have the ability to respond with third party deals third party game pass deals and you're coming up short there like those things that you can do in the short term yeah yeah we have every right to be a little perturbed by what's going on Uh, listen we we called it we called it we knew what was going to happen we knew you know horizon was going to be outside we knew you know all these things are going to happen and it's just like okay (laughs) yeah like I seen it coming and I just mm-hmm. all all we want them to do is be condescending and do a better job of first half acquisitions. You have to do a better job. Mm-hmm. We 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 anticipate it to be better. We think we we the future looks bright. We're not poo-poo and activism. Well that's kind of been the right, story for Xbox, yeah. It's always yeah. been the future looks bright. It's always the future. Like what's happening in 2022, please? That that's that's what I mm-hmm. want to know. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you doing, especially first half? So I but think we did foresee this. We said Yeah, we saw just, it. Just like Eric mentioned, right? There's the mm-hmm. Sifu Horizon GT7 Ghostwire Forspoken. Of course, God of War is another one. Right. We were like, yo, you look at the layout. It's like, we just know about these two games, Redfall, Starfield. Hopefully those hit their dates. Like we mentioned right. a couple episodes. We don't know really about Redfall right. hitting that date. And, and what was my prediction? My prediction was the only way you count to, if you have nothing, Mm-hmm. Let's just say that's what it is. Let's just say the cupboard is bare on that, or for whatever oh, reason yeah, they couldn't. Remember, like, remember what I said? What do you, you do? You buy someone. <laughs> you buy someone to get the heat off, and they did. I get, <laughs> you got you got Dude. a lot of it. You ain't gonna get me to forget, but you got the masses to mm-hmm. forget because now it's like, yeah, Activision. Yeah, but that's down the road, and that mm-hmm. deal got to summer twenty twenty three. And we're <laughs> hearing things about the deal, and yeah. you got a lot of work to do. But right now, for the hardcore. They're sitting there like, yeah, what, what else? What you uh-huh. doing for twenty twenty two? But I think I think that deal did serve its purpose in taking some heat off of what Eric is asking. Yeah. Well, let's continue this conversation with question two from Cameron Belgrade. Greetings, Archmage Maddie and Lord Cognito the Magnificent. I hope you boys are stocked up on tinfoil for the next three months because we are that far away from Xbox's summer event, presuming that they do it around the same time as last year. Before Jeff Grubb and Jess Gordon start leaking everything, including what (laughs) Phil will be having for breakfast that morning, what is your boldest predictions three months out? I'm going to go for it and say we get a Fable Story gameplay trailer similar to Elden Ring's Summer Games Fest trailer. I think there will be a big 2023 game like Starfield is for 2022, so it makes sense to start the hype train for it then. What do y'all think? Have a Rob Manfred is now running Last Stand Media type of day. Oh, yo. (laughs) Please keep calling at the top, please. (laughs) Big prediction, man. You want us to go all out? You want us to do the grub and the chance? (laughs) Man, the big prediction that they're going to do this year. I got one. I'll do a bold one because he said bold. So these bold. are kind of out of pocket bold. ones. Yeah. yeah, let's go. Let's I'm not going to go for the safe uh, avowed. Like, yeah, I think avowed yeah. will be there, but I'm going to go with a little bit of we talked about this on a video on my channel. It'll be out by the time everyone's listening. I had Jeff Grubb on, but mm-hmm. I have this feeling that if the talks are successful internally at Xbox and they do get the deal done, they put it in paper, they're going to pre-announce Fallout New Vegas 2 or whatever that successor is and just kind of outer worlds to it. Just be like, this is coming and this is exclusive because that will bring people in just like them confirming well in advance. Elder Scrolls six is going to be exclusive. It's got people in the Xbox ecosystem mindset. So I am going to bold predict and I'll do this again, probably come closer to E3 unless like Jeff reports otherwise that I feel this is a game that they pre-announce if they can, if they can just let people know like there there's activity on the home front and they're doing it. I think they'll, I think they'll pull the trigger. I just, because here's how, I'm going to justify it this way. 
what's one more CG trailer Xbox for a game that people really are truly hyped for that have been looking for it for years you know because then you got the cyberpunk effect the Elden Ring effect if you disappear for four years with this mm. cult hit that's going into the mainstream like, I just feel like it, it writes itself at this point so mm. remember this episode clip me if I'm right if I'm wrong ignore it Cog what are you feeling I'm gonna stick with my old bold predict that didn't happen but I was I think I was one year too early. Mm. I'm still bold predicting this Kojima thing, man. Oh, yeah, I need yeah. this. I need this. To, I'm, not, I'm dying on this sword. Mm -hmm. I need this announcement. I need the vision. So my bold prediction is, yes, it will happen. I was just a mm -hmm. little early. And the deal by now should be finalized. The concept itself should be theorized. Mm -hmm. So you could come out there and show a trailer. You could you could come out there and conceptually get us give us an idea of what you're thinking and how you're planning to utilize maybe a cloud infrastructure with whatever you're doing with your game and and make that announcement on an Xbox stage. And and it just it would show tremendous weight it, it, it it's an optics move it's low we got kojima mm -hmm. yo he's doing this project mm -hmm. exclusively with us and yeah. that's gonna reverberate regardless to how anybody feels about kojima or the project when he puts his name behind something it shakes the industry it's it's a zeitgeist moment and then you get jeff to get excited and i think xbox wants that <laughs> <laughs> and then so I'm, yes i'm oh, sorry go on i, I interrupted no that was it that was it that was it my last one is uh scalebound returns Oh, I just, I just, you I, going? Yeah, there? I, I, we're we're talking bold, like we're talking, oh, we're talking just bold. completely we're talking like, bold. oh yeah, sure, let's throw one at the wall and see if it sticks. Yeah, all right. Phil okay. picked up the phone, said, "What can we do? Oh, you want to do that? All right, it's it's time to bring Platinum Games back into the fold because they're just so inconsistent, right? Like yeah. you know, we've seen with Babylon's Fall what happened. I don't blame Platinum almost entirely for that because you can just tell they were given no budget and. Why you would give, just on a separate note, why you would give the team that's shown like, hey, we did Astro Chain and Bayonetta really well. Why you would tell them to go make a service game is just like, that's a, a failure on Square Enix's behalf through and through. So I feel like Xbox picks up the phone and says, all right, we were talking about this co-op game. We already know the, the prototype, the pitch. We have the vision. We just got to make this thing. We got more money than ever before. And you have mm. more ambition to succeed than ever before because it's do or die moment for you. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. let's do this. I think they announced that it's coming back. I, I, I think that'd be a really cool moment. I if I'm getting bold. If I will say this, if I see, even if it's just the JPEG or the PNG of a scale bound logo and it says scale bound will return, that will shake the industry. Yeah. People will go. We never crazy. really see that. I don't think yeah, where just an, yeah. a game gets canceled and comes back. Like, comes back. Be, that would be a first, and it wow. would, it would be dope. And I, I'm I'm put, I, I like that. I like that. I, I, want I feel like happen. these are pretty wise yeah, bold picks by these us. Are wise bold. These are, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Well, let's move on to number three now from the the best name in the business, Black Magic Fuckery, the Bussy Butcher. It's funny. This this, this name writes in this this comment right it says, "Hey, Dukes of Hazard." How do y'all keep your spirits up working from home? I have been working remotely for the last two years for the sake of flexibility with my family, but the lack of social interaction, while not an ever-present issue, does create feelings of despondence sometimes. Any tricks to share with a young man? I know there's so much I could do to be more productive or entertain myself, but when I get into these funks, it can be hard to shake. Any advice is appreciated. Yeah, it's a good one, man. Black mm -hmm. magic. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, it's been tough. It's been tough. I'm kind of in a similar situation, and... Um, the first thing you notice is because you're you're, you're kind of 
not active, right? You're, you're sitting, you're, you're content creating or you're working remotely, you know, you're not, and then the social interactions down, right? Mm-hmm. Just to, to, so what I've known is like, one, you have to make plans to actually still try to meet people, go out and do stuff. You know, me and Saul, we try to keep our movie thing. I missed the Batman this week, but I got to go get that done. I gotta oh, get you got to see it. It was the same day of the raid and I'm like, oh, oh I get it. I get it. But so dude, I was stuck. Yeah, it's it getting done. So it's, good. it's getting done this weekend. So because so, I walked out, I liked it. And I, I, then moving forward, I was like, I love this yeah. movie. Sorry, go on. Ooh, yeah, nah, bro. I, I, everyone's talking. It's mm. getting done. So I got to see that. So again, still nice. planning those social interactions with friends and family. So you get out and you see people. And then the other thing is, you know, I'm always on hashtag health as wealth. You have to stay active because being the problem with the pandemic, it forced us to just be stationary. And when mm. you're not moving and you're not doing anything, that's when the pounds, that's when the health goes down, the bad food choices, all that stuff piles on. And yeah. then we're gamers sitting for hours on hours and not doing anything. So, yeah, you know, it, it, it's hard. It's hard. So what I, I, I said for me, like I said, I got my little, my little smartwatch. I, I got upset my little goal for how many steps I'm doing for the day. I got my goal on my, my gym app. Yo, at minimum three workouts a week. It's going to mm-hmm. get tough. You're going to fall off the bandwagon. Last week, I fell off. I was just too much. The work life content creation balance was just off. I just got out of whack. I didn't go to the gym. I felt awful. So I was like, nope, back to it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you just got to stick with it. Even if you fall down, get up, continue to do that stuff. Because be honest with you, like gamers, we got a lot of issues with long-term health. And we got to do better, y'all. Mm-hmm. So that's my advice. What you got for Black Magic? Effery. You know, I think Black Magic scaled down the, the the scope a little bit here. It, it would be my advice because something as little as picking out a fresh outfit, you got a nice new T-shirt mm. or something like that, can be the the pizzazz you need for your day. Like as people know, I changed my haircut. I wear a ring now. Like I I'm I'm changing up my style a little bit, and I feel mm-hmm. good when I walk out because I'm I'm feeling more confident than I'm challenging what I typically have worn for. 20 plus years, you know, stuff that I've always wanted to do, but I was like, I was scared to, like, I was scared to do all this. And yeah, of course there's growing pains. Like sometimes I pull up with the Karen haircut, like I'm not stupid, (laughs) but like, you know, otherwise, like I I feel like it's been going well and that takes confidence built or that builds confidence, I should say. And so you should try to shake it up a little bit. Like something as much as a fashion change can help you, but otherwise, like, yes, the cog hit the nail on the head. Like this pandemic really caused us to shrink our circles more and more. And so I think a lot of this, because you mentioned entertainment and being mm-hmm. more productive, like, you know, there's more you could do. Sometimes a lot of people look for a way around the cold, hard reality, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, they'll, they'll look for the shortcut. Sometimes you just gotta, you gotta blitz right through, man. Like sometimes mm-hmm. when you got, you're like, I know I could do so much more. I gotta be more productive and I could entertain myself than do it. Like sometimes you just yeah. need the slap on the face to be like, just do it. Do it. Just put your feet on the ground and do it. And mm-hmm. you know, me and Cog have talked about this ad nauseum. The, the 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 reward system you create for yourself can really carry any day, good or bad. So for you, you mentioned productivity and entertainment. Save your entertainment for after you do all the productive stuff, right? Mm, earn it. Right? Earn it. Keep the mindset of of earning it. And you'll be surprised, man. You'll be very surprised how much that works for you. But again, Sometimes I always look for the new thing. What's the thing I can do to shake me up a little bit to, to get me out of the funk? And sometimes I'm like, man, I just got to go forward because you can't always reinvent a new thing to tackle yeah. the same problem. Otherwise, you'll yeah. run out of solutions and then you're like, what do I do now? Sometimes it's, it is just raw willpower. That's not me being curt. That's not me being yeah. disingenuous. Just sometimes believe in yourself. 
and do it, right? Just go yeah. through. Because the longer you wallow in the muck, you're just not going to get out of it. You, you At one point, because I noticed some guys is like, oh, woe is me. I'm in this funk. And I get it. It's tough. Mm -hmm. But you got to take that initial first stand. Like, okay, tomorrow I'm doing blah, blah, right, blah. Tomorrow, tomorrow I'm better. It's the willpower thing. Like you said, you tomorrow, what, you, so what? You messed up. That wipe that slate and now go out there and do the thing, right? Mm -hmm. Do the thing. Just get out there. Because if you keep feeling service, like you're never going to get out get out the buck. Mm -hmm. You got to do it. And once you break that cycle, then that's how you slowly start to build yeah. and get into a routine. Yeah. The last bit of advice I want to offer, because I mentioned scaling down, is uh, this is going to sound like a weird story. And maybe it is a little shoehorn, but I think it'll make some sense is... Uh, working on the game I'm working on, we were making pretty good progress, and then we started to do things monthly. Um, you know, we just kind of update whenever something got done, and it felt like we were moving at a much more glacial pace. Mm -hmm. Then to start the new year, we set a new regimen of, of weekly updates. Every week we get into a call, we showcase what we're changing, what we've made, what we're doing, what we're going to do next. We We hold each other accountable. We list the goals for every week. And condensing it down to instead of these month-long marathons into brisk jogs in every week, we're getting more done than we ever have before. We're moving at a absurd pace where it's like it's where the game's in an amazing spot. The reason I say all of this, as Cog would say, is to say this: that when you downscale, when you when you downscale to more bite-sized pieces, those things that are overwhelming you in the productivity field, and maybe even the entertainment field. Let's be honest: you open up the Game Pass app, you're like, holy fuck, how do I have time for all of this? downscale, bite size, make a game plan. It's not weird to make a planner for your games. Like you can do that type of stuff. Like don't, don't cut yourself off from any options, right? Keep everything yeah. available to you and you'll be surprised. Just keep the avenues, the options open. Agreed. I absolutely agree. All right. Keeping on the, the, this mindset here, because this was originally a slow week of gaming. So I was like, all right, so people want some advice, some thoughts. So I was like, let them get to know the Dukes a bit more. Talk to the Dukes. Anthony C. writes in, Dukes, hope you're having a lovely week. I want to ask you guys how you find the time to play so many games. I know it's basically part of your job, but so is the podcasting, editing, etc. that comes with what you guys do. I work 40 plus hours per week when I'm not working. I feel like just sleeping and usually don't have the energy or mental capacity to dive into an involved narrative or anything. So how do you guys fit so many games into your schedule? Keep up the great work. And I hope you have a forgot to close my car's windows just before a huge rainstorm kind of day. Yo, <laughs> that's a bad one. That's a bad one. Yeah. Yeah. This is a good one. Um, yeah. I, I talked about it in a tweet. I had to be honest with myself last week. I fell off the wagon, man. It was bad. It was bad. Just, you know, too much things and, and just stretching myself thin. And what I realized with the work life and content creator balance is, you know, it it's difficult for sure, right? It's difficult. And there's going to be times when each one is wanted to dominate and fight for your time. And you're going to have to make tough decisions. Yes. And the thing, what I've realized is, okay, you recognize when it happens and whatever you owe back, you have to you have to set aside that time. You know what I'm saying? Because even with me, sometimes I'd sacrifice fun too much. Where it's just like, damn, I gotta get these videos out, I gotta do this. Yes, stuff. Pee, yes, so this true. Stuff you know, oh man, damn work. You know what I'm saying? I gotta do X, Y, and Z for this and for the company. And and the next thing you know, I'm like, damn, I didn't spend any time really just doing what I want to do. You know what I'm saying? It, it, whether it's just be mindless, and then you, you, then what ends up happening? You end up resenting the other things because mm -hmm. you're like, man, I done spent twelve hours. 
planning this damn show and getting this <laughs> guest and preparing notes and you start getting mad. So what I really do sometimes I'm like, you know what? Stop. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go play something. I'm going to do something mindless. Now, last week it got a little out of hand with Destiny. <laughs> it got a little, okay. little too crazy. Yeah, I think long term, right? You're going to get back yeah, onto it. It was short term. Now it's like, okay, now what ended up happening was the physical went down. I was like, damn, I, I, it was bad, bro. I, I didn't hit the gym at all. I'm feeling sluggish. I'm like, okay, this week, calm back down on the game. Just a little, just take a little bit out back. Yeah. Get back into your team. Get, get behind back in that gym. Get back into, get your cardio going, get your stuff going. And then what's funny is, that for me at least, with the, the the physical stuff, that actually helps me get my energy up for the other stuff, to be mm-hmm. honest. That's my secret. Like, yeah. literally, when I'm in there and I'm doing, I'm like, I feel better physically, I feel better, and I'm getting better rest at the end of the day. So that's been it for me. It's it's never easy. Like, it's always a fight. It's always a struggle. Yeah. There, there is going to be things you have to understand that are out of your control, and you know, okay, right now, Life, personally, I have this life thing I have to do. You know, for us, it was ILP, the business, becoming an LLC. There's so much responsibility with it. And I'm like, okay, this is this period, tax time. <laughs> um, oh, I yeah. Have to, yeah, I have to. It's nothing I can do. I have to get it done. You recognize it. This month is going to dominate that. But then as soon as this month is over, boom, I'm going to get right back to the balance again. So as long as you have those honest conversations with yourself, you should be okay. But it's tough. It's, it's not easy, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not much I can add there because you perfectly portrayed what you got to do, which is just stay agile. You just got to like sometimes it is focusing on your work mostly and and games will come way later. Sometimes it's your relationships. Sometimes it's your friends. Sometimes you're going to read a lot. Sometimes you're not like I just feel like it's always about kind of the flavor of the week at the same time as being reasonably balanced with things. And sometimes the scales will tip and you'll go a little crazy with one thing or another. But I think so long, Anthony, as you're aware of these types of things, is is how you'll constantly adjust right so right now it sounds like you're saying i work 40 hours a week and then when i'm not working i just feel like sleeping to me if i were just from the outside looking in reading just this text i'd say you may need a little more activity so that you have that energy to then play those games right because if you just don't feel like doing anything but working you may be doing what cog was just talking about where it's work 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 and you're not having any time for yourself so you're just in an endless cycle and sadly that's just corporate the, the corporate world at large and at work Facts. and it's annoying Facts. you know i have a friend who's sounds just like you he works a ton and he loves gaming mm-hmm. but when he comes back he just hops on discord with us and he just lays there and talks to us and it's like sometimes we gotta be like yo just fire up a game bro like yes. i get it just fire up a game though enough and like yeah again anthony sometimes it's shaking yourself out of it you may be tired but let's be real with ourselves games are stimulating so you're, you'll be surprised sometimes you come in sluggish and i've woken up while playing a game so yeah maybe i just am very reactive to it still but overall to me i think a little activity can give you the energy you need because for yes. me i'm you know I, I had to be medically cleared i'm good now i'm gonna start going back to the gym finally but nice. i wasn't so i had to go on walks for a while and yeah. uh, that was the way i i kind of jog the energy a little bit because Sometimes I'll get good sleep and I'm like, man, I'm still kind of sluggish today. And mm-hmm. it wasn't stressful. It wasn't busy. I'm just tired. And you go on a walk and you get the blood pumping and, and you'll yeah. be surprised at your energy difference walking out of that. So, uh, you know, the other way I fit it is I, I'm very lucky to through Last Stand and through mm-hmm. uh, my personal YouTube channel and everything, uh, Patreon, that I'm able to hire people. So when I'm playing something, work is getting done. That is huge. Yeah, it it really said. is. And, you know, I'm not ignorant to that fact that I'm I'm very blessed to have that where 
I can sit down like just before this, I, I have the Star Wars shirt on. I recorded a retro rebound video for uh, the episode three Star Wars video games. Lockmort was on it. He was like, yo, I'm available. Let's do this because the Kenobi trailer just dropped. And that's what we've been doing is like synchronizing these video games with these pop culture moments. It's working out really well. And uh, it's required us to stay agile. So like, you know, immediately I recorded it. I sent him the file. So yeah, as we're sitting here doing this, which is still work, he's editing that. So once I'm done, mm -hmm. that'll be ready. Otherwise Oosh. I would be finishing this editing afterwards. Then it'd be like midnight. Then I'd be starting a game. I'd be like, no, it's too, too late. Who mm -hmm. starts a game at midnight? So that's the thing that Cog and I, I think benefit from is we do have staff that, that yes. I put staff in quotes. Cause I wouldn't call any of the people who work for me that, but people who help us make the things. Uh, so we do have time to continue providing people with insight on video games. Like I always say this, and I'll stop the rant here, is not enough people in the industry play games. Like it's really? it's a, a, a wild difference between loving playing games and loving working in games. There's a wild yes. difference that a lot of people learn when they join. They're like, I like playing these things, but I don't really like working and talking mm -hmm. about and dissecting mm -hmm. them. Sometimes people just want to consume them. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's a lot of people who who are in this industry right now who just like to play games. And for us, we need to deliver the insight. We need to play as well so that we can then talk about it because we like working in games. Exactly. So no, I've got on topic great. at this point. No, but, this um, is great. Your last point was on fire because it was, that's something I had to apply, which is basically delineate and defer responsibility because I was taking on too much. And I was just like, oh, you know God, what? Yeah. Attic would come to me. King would come to me. So like, hey, what can we do, brother, to, you know, to help you out? And I'm like, yo, I need this. Same thing with Logna. Hey, I need this. And even yeah. if you're not working in a business, Anthony, or anything like that, like there are things you don't realize that sometimes, yo, if you just defer and say, hey, can you help me do this and take this little part off my plate? And that can give you some time back, you know what I mean? To, mm -hmm. to think and plan and then get back to other things you want to do. So I think that's a fantastic point. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, don't don't hesitate to be a little selfish, Anthony, and anyone yes. listening. I, I have learned that this year. I have not made mm -hmm. any, I gotta be honest, I've not made any podcast appearances. Yep. I have not Same made, with guesting. I've not guested anywhere. I, I'm a very collaborative person, but I'm very selectful of that. I take weekends off exclusively. I used to upload six days a week. I upload five now. I think Retro Rebound makes up the difference for that, but still, like I, I don't upload as much and... I think I've been rewarded by that because my audience is way more engaged and way more active, yes. but uh, I was willing to take the pay cut. I was, you know, fortunately that never happened, but I was like, I, when I dropped it at the beginning of the year, I was like, yeah, I'm, I, I told a video, I made a video saying like, I'm changing everything. Like I'm, I'm not doing this lifestyle anymore. And Ooh, I had big. to, I had to risk, you know, because YouTube loves daily activity. So always being there is, is constantly yeah. rewarded. And I had to be selfish and be like, look, I don't care that that New Vegas two news dropped on Saturday. I'll see you on Monday, and I have to bro, do that with everything. Bro, huge! What you just say, huge. And and, and, to, and to the flip side too, what Anthony was saying, we talking about the sleeping is that there's gonna be like these last two days. I was like, look, I could play some more. I could do this and that. I could mm -hmm. do these. I need rest. Yeah. I need to shut it down sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like your body, my body's telling me. Cause sometimes your friend selfishly be like, "Come on, let's do another four hours." Yeah, bro, I gotta protect me. I, I'm not. I'm not good to anyone if I'm dead. <laughs> That's exactly need, it, though. Yeah. I need to like one of the best things you did to me one time. And I actually, you don't even realize it. You had turned me down for something, and I was actually happy because he's like, "Huh, I can do it." I remember that. Yeah, that but was for like, Activision. Bro. Yeah, you were like, "Bro, I need this rest," and yeah. I said, "My man, 
Yeah. I respected that because I know you old man. No one's been like, more hyped for me turning it down, right? <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know what? Of course I wanted you on an episode, right? It was yeah. that IOP, big Microsoft activist. Colin came through. Everybody came through, yeah. right? I'm like, I gotta get the dude. You know what I'm saying? So selfishly, I'm like, I gotta get my man on. Yeah, man. You know what I'm but he was like, he was like, bro, I'm really hurting. I need this time. And I said, you know what? I felt that. And I had no problem because I need to do more of that myself. Sometimes saying no and getting your rest and recover, then you end up being better for all yeah, the other yeah. stuff you want to do. So I'm with you, bro. I'm with yeah. you on that. It's just such a fast-moving industry in our case that yeah. like it's very easy to get caught up and say, like, I'll just stretch it out one more day. And then you don't yep. know what's going to happen tomorrow. That'll stretch it out two more days. So you just got to gotta work smarter, not harder. And uh, that would be my last bit of advice for you, Anthony, and anyone who's yep. interested in having it. Last question we'll get into the news after this yes. comes from John Garlett. He writes in, hey, Dukes. I know you want to avoid the Ukraine-Russia situation as best you can, but I wanted to bring up news related to the situation and how it could impact Xbox. I just wanted to pause real here, right quick, right quick, I said, real quick, right here, uh, just to say that we, we have no problem talking about it when it's relevant to gaming. It's just more so like going on and on about it because we do hear enough about it. But if it does involve gaming with any world situation, we will absolutely talk about it. We're not going to just absolutely. pretend it's not happening. So I just want to make it of clear course. that we're not making a show burying our heads. With that said, we do want to create a product that is for a place to escape. All right, let's keep reading. John Garlett writes in saying, Replaced, which was one of the surprise hits from the 2021 E3 showcase, needed to relocate due to the ongoing situation. Atomic Heart is being developed in Russia, which Xbox just suspended sales, while Stalker 2 is being developed in Ukraine, as mentioned in last week's post and video. These are some of the bigger Xbox titles from E3, which will at best be delayed and hopefully not canceled. How much of an impact do you think this is going to have on the Xbox ecosystem? And do you feel like supporting Atomic Heart's development at this stage is a good or bad thing, considering all the talk of how bad it is accepting Tencent money, which is essentially going to or is essentially cash going to the PRC? Is this not any different? Have a I let my friend's little brother try a game while we played basketball outside, only to find out he saved his new game over my save profile kind of day. I did that shit, and that's uh, <laughs> being on the be, being the little brother in that moment. There, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. Not pretty, man. Good question, man. Great this, question, this, yeah. Yeah, shout out to John, man. Yeah, these are those, you know, those discussions, right, where we, we know we're cognizant of what's happening in the world. It's really affecting everybody. You know, the horrible, it, it's just horrible right now. Let's just mm -hmm. call it what it is. It, it it saddens me every day to see what's going on in people's lives uprooted, and now it's it's bleeding into the game, right, and bleeding into game development, and, and, and people have to move. But to his question... And I think I want to shout out um, Dustin again. I was listening to Sacred Symbols. They were talking about, you know, what can you do or what, you know, personally. And I think everyone's different, right? And in, in, in reference to, let's be honest, the elephant in the room, which is whether Russian developed products or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, it's a personal choice again, right? And it, it's, it comes down to what you feel comfortable. And if you don't feel comfortable supporting this developer or whatever with Tom Cards, whatever, then that's a personal choice. And I, I, I understand it. And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here. It's, it's how you want to help or what you feel can affect change. And it's, it's a person to me, it's the same thing with Tencent because at the same time, you know, it's going to bleed into something you like, you know, and yeah. it's up to you. And, and I don't think it's a wrong answer. Some people are like, hey, if I do that, what is it really affecting? It may not affect anything and you continue to support it. That's your choice. Right. But if you feel strongly that, hey, I don't want to do anything, you have anything to do with it. By all means, more power to you, brother. So that's my stance yeah. on it. I'm watching this thing develop, you know, as far as the stalker two thing that definitely hit home. I was like, wow, mm -hmm. this is this is close to home now. This is yeah. really yeah you know, affecting it. All, all I care about, you know, is just 
me, I don't like seeing people's lives in danger. I don't Same. like seeing the destruction and displaced families. That really bothers. It really pains me to see this stuff. So mm -hmm. I just hope that there's a, a, a resolution soon because it's, it just seems to be getting worse and worse every day. So that's just where I'm at with it right now. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. And uh, John, you know, you, you wrote in about the impact uh, this would have on the Xbox ecosystem. And I think it's pretty clear that it's been hit hard, right? You know, Stalker 2 is already delayed, but now it's definitely delayed indefinitely. I keep saying definitely twice in sentences. I apologize for that. <laughs> You're good. Atomic Hearts is an interesting situation because I, I, again, completely agree with Cog where it's the mindset of it's up to you. I will say this, PlayStation fans, if you don't want to support the devs, it's day one on Game Pass. So, you know, it, apparently that's the, yeah. <laughs> no, that's the thing now. Yeah, yeah. You used to. <laughs> <laughs> you funny. I know what you did there. I know what you did there. Yeah. That was funny. So, Continue. you know, the PlayStation fans win this time around. I'm kidding. But yeah, uh, you know, it's available on Game Pass. So uh, if you don't want to put your money down for Atomic Hearts specifically, like, you know, you, you don't really have to. That money's mm -hmm. mostly going to Microsoft. It's going to make its way there. And again, it's, it's, a, it's a moral choice. Um, but I'd imagine less so if uh, less so money is going their way if you're downloading it for free on Game Pass. So just keep that in mind. But it is uh, very sad what's going on there. And yeah. I'm sure this won't be the last we hear of like a, a game involved in Russia that like, you know, do we do we support this or do we not? I, I think, again, this is case by case where like Tencent clearly I don't think has great intentions for video games. Like I think right. they have a pretty damaging reputation overall following right. them. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, their involvement has not made anything better. As far as I've seen, right? It's typically mm -hmm. in the, the, the genres I hate, the, the service games, the mobile games, the things that make gaming worse. I find it tough to say mm -hmm. that like the Russian government and Atomic Hearts overlap uh, right. entirely. You know, I, I get what the mindset is, though. But, uh, you know, for me personally, uh, would I support this game if that were a question I'd get? You know, I, I'd have to really think about it, but I, I'd say I'd probably still end up buying it because mm -hmm. this is a situation where there's a moment you're caught in the crossfire where something like 10 cents a deliberate choice right right so i would probably still support it but i totally respect the mindset of people don't want to i get it yeah um because there's a lot of companies that are kind of doing nothing by saying like xbox not selling games in russia i get the idea is to create pressure but you're just kind of punishing like general citizens and right. i don't know how much that's really actually accomplishing in the the efforts in of fact. stopping a war uh so right. I don't want to go too off track and get overly politicized here, but yeah. that's kind of where I stand on the situation. No, I feel, you. I feel you. I'm with you, man. Personal, personal decision, and I completely understand both sides on that one. Absolutely, I agree. So, with that, let's get into the news. Starting off with number one, Halo Infinite, which blasted out of the gates on the multiplayer front on November 15th for Xbox's 20th anniversary to a very strong reception. Later on December 8th, it dominated the conversation thanks to a fun open world campaign. The phrase often associated with Halo Infinite is that this is a game with a strong framework to build on. Since release, it has remained just that, as 343 Industries has done little in the way of building on top of the game that many are hungry for more of. Finally, in March, we have an indication of what's to come for Season 2 of Halo Infinite and what it'll look like, with some caveats. The post details four priorities for the team. Addressing negative issues impacting the player experience, completing Season 2 and delivering it on May 3rd, continuing work on campaign co-op, Forge, and Season 3, and team health upkeep with an emphasis on a sustainable development cycle. 
343 Industries has developed an internal hot list that is decorated with known and unknown before release date problems. Known ones consist of tasks like creating a proper progression system for Halo Infinite multiplayer, and unknown ones are things such as vulnerabilities in the anti-cheat system. Currently, the team is focused on the unknown before launch set of objectives. Now, I know that was a lot, so to just recap that real quickly, mm -hmm. they are focusing on something like the anti-cheat system, which is considered unknown and right. not progression systems, which are known before launch. Right. Continue on. Beyond that, 343 has confirmed that Season 2 will be called Lone Wolves, focusing on Lone Wolf Spartans who function as hunters and trackers. Season 2 will present a mixture of new story events, cinematics, battle pass items, maps, fracture armor cores, and modes. The update says that there will be a new big team battle map called Breaker, as well as a new arena map called Catalyst. The new modes are Last Spartan Standing, Land Grab, and King of the Hill, which Halo fans will be very familiar with. Ending on a sour note, 343 confirms that the campaign co-op feature for both network and split screen has been delayed and will release sometime in season two. Since Forge was developed in parallel with this feature, the team still feels confident that they can launch that with season three. Separately, it was confirmed that the lead multiplayer designer for Halo Infinite, Andrew Witz, has now exited the team, noting another significant launch since the game's release. Takuyaki writes in, Hey, Double D Dukes. Halo Infinite's lead multiplayer designer left 343 Industries. With the growing hunger of fans wanting more and newer content for Halo Infinite's multiplayer, what could this mean for the long run? We've seen news of delays for campaign co-op in Season 2, and it seems like there's a dark path ahead for Halo Infinite. What do you guys think? Thanks, and have a got killed by a boss while I was using a summoning bell kind of <laughs> day. Oh, we've been there with that Elden Ring stuff. So, Cog... What is your read on the situation here with Halo Infinite? Obviously, we pat ourselves on the back earlier. We were team delay. We're seeing the uh, the efforts here are are coming up short because they're busy fixing the game still. So what do you think is going on with Halo Infinite currently? Uh, thoughts. I got thoughts. Ooh, um, you got thoughts? Fire away. Yeah, man. You know, put it in perspective, like I said, let's be clear. The game, from a foundational standpoint, is a good game. The campaign mm -hmm. is solid. The multiplayer is excellent. I want to be clear, right? The problem, like I predicted, because I'm a Destiny fan, I'm a live service fan, is the agility of the live team. If you are a live service game, there is a live team that deals with the day-to-day -day operations of the team, whereas the main team is working on the expansions and the future things that are going to come to the game. Mm -hmm. If the live team is not solving problems or being able to have the resources to solve problems in a timely manner, the base is going to get upset and the base is going to leave. I'm a Destiny fan. I've been through this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I said how this live team is going to react or how much resources they provided is going to be key. And what we have seen with things as simple as monetization and updating a store and terrible battle pass stuff, it's not been good. Let's just call it what it is. It's yeah. been overpriced just to unbundle packages in that cost $10, $15 and to be able to buy them individually seems to be a, a, a task right yeah. just let's just start there right yeah. then we have a season pass with samurai armor, armor which is cool but is running on in for another week and another week which shows to me you don't have content ready you're dragging this you're extending this yeah. because nothing is immediately available to satiate a base that wants more then we got to talk about the elephant in the room your steam numbers your steam numbers 
have really plummeted. Like really plummeted. Like to the point like you went from what, three hundred K to what like 10k what, 10, what's the number 10 to 15k when it lasts that's time. not a good look that's really bad now granted it's one aspect we know it's free to play everywhere else but the fact that the pc community is like nah fam you got those are warning signs that is like cold red in the building as far as i'm concerned right mm-hmm. so this is what i feel and the last point i'll say with my concerns i know people move around the industry a lot it's common. Not not everything is a, an alarm just because someone left and went somewhere else, right? But <laughs> my boy, you know, shout out to Patrick Wren. We had him on ILP, one of the senior lead multiplayer designers. He left. Okay, he's at Respawn. Granted, great opportunity. Respawn, salute you, bro. Get your back. Mm-hmm. Andrew Witts, it's my guy. I like him. Mm-hmm. Great guy. This This team that was created, this multiplayer... He left now. Not saying everything is doom and gloom, but to Thumbs me, what, what, like, what's going on? Like, I mean, again, the vibe I got, they had to go through hell to get this thing out at some level, mm-hmm. right? So if you're seeing other opportunities, what does that mean? Does that, is that, does that reflect badly internally? Does that reflect like, hey, hey, we good. We, 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 we got the plane landed. And we're good, and you know, cause some, that could be a nice way of saying we cool. We mm. going somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not saying definitively that is issues, but it is something to raise your eye and and pay attention to. That's all I'm saying. And then also remember, you forget about if something bad's happening, right? That's another thing. This is another thing I've learned about game dev. Sometimes it's something, this is what I've learned, it's sometimes as simple as when there's a new regime change, right? And we know Staten's at the top. Sometimes the vision of what you may have had is not coinciding with the new leadership. Yeah. So that's another thing. We don't know. I don't know. But I'm just saying it's something, in my opinion, we need to pay attention to. Back on track with this thing. My last point is when I look at bullet points, I learned this from Whole Glow. When a company gives you bullet points, look at the four. Addressing the negative issues impacting the player's experience. Okay, fine. That, to me, I, I consider that cheating, you know, that's important. I, I get that. That's number one. That means that's your number one priority. That's your focus. You're telling the audience. Number two, complete season two and deliver it on May 3rd. Okay. But to me, why is bullet point three, you going to give us the campaign and the forge? Yeah. Why did that slip down to three? Yeah. I understand one, because you got to protect the integrity of the game. But to me, your, those deliverables, you gave us an early date. So you already showed me you can't meet that deliverable already. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. So... To me, people go, I know Xbox community come for me. Oh, it's fine. And you're overacting. To me, these are red flags. And I'm looking at them with the side eye like, what's going on? Now, I respect the fourth bullet, team health. I respect that. You don't want people burnt out. You don't want the, I respect that. All I'm saying is you promised this audience that you were going to deliver co-op and forge at a specific time. And now that's not there. So... What are we doing? <laughs> That's what I got on my rant. I'm going to let you go. I got more, but I'm going to let you go because it's a little concerning to me. It is. Um, you know, I'll start off with what I think a lot of people probably won't like industry-wide, but I think mm-hmm. it should be said is the live service genre is highly competitive. It's literally, you want to talk about an industry that is, what are you doing for me now? Like, this is the genre that defines and picks 
all of that. Like, it is literally, what are you doing for me this week? And this week? And this week? It is brutal. I don't wish to ever work in a field like that. And to those devs who are in on that, salute to you. Like, that's why I compliment Bungie so much based on what you told me. It's like just seeing them thrive in there shows they really get it, right? But the reality is that they're, if you, how do I word this? It should always be a priority to take care of your employees, right? I think them mentioning that vocally as a priority is not just a statement for good PR, but kind of speaks to what we were talking about, the internal happenings at E3. There have been multiple reports of crunch and things not looking too hot for that studio where I'm wondering if him saying that is kind of like an indication of like, we really need to let people know, like we're taking care of you as someone leaves. We're taking care of you. That's just speculation. But there is a trade-off. Apex Legends did this. When you start to say, we're taking care of our team, we're going to slowly roll out content. I remember Apex Legends dropping, taking over the world because it was this shadow drop. It was amazing. And they were just like, we're taking care of the team. We're, we're, we're waiting to post content. And people were like, back to Fortnite I go. See you later. Yep. That's so, how I go. Exactly. And Halo has fallen prey to it. When your live team is not hungry and it's not large because that's the thing you can take care of your team but your team needs to be big otherwise you just can't keep up and you will get eaten up by another service game and that is exactly Preach. what has happened here halo infinite is getting eaten alive because they don't have enough staff or they don't have enough hands on deck to balance the work life that is needed in this industry with how much content is required in a service game and this is what we were afraid of they were like mm. you know really coming in hot trying to land the plane we're like look if you need more time take more time and now mm -hmm. we're learning because the teams are clearly split up right they got a co-op team they got a forge team they probably got a hot fix team the other thing that to me was concerning you mentioned it beautifully is that you you see the order of priorities they're making it clear as day like this is what matters to us right yes if you need a telling point on the state of the game they're talking in march about bug fixes being their number one priority and their third thing the thing you're probably most excited about new features is the last priority for them. Again, why I don't want to beat our own drum too hard here, but why we were very much advocating for the idea of like, let's, let's make sure this is truly ready to go where you can build upon it, not release it, fix it, and then build upon it. Uh, again, there are internal happenings at 343 and Xbox that we'll never know of. Like maybe they were saying, Hey, we're running low on our overall budget. Let's launch this, get some money, some cash influx, and then start anew with a, a new budget, a new plan. But when you looked at the uh, egregious store prices, uh, big team battle not yeah. working for weeks on end, it's like yeah. I'm having the patience for an indie studio for, for something that is AAA level. And that's not how it should be. We're respecting you as a team. We respect your efforts. This is absolutely 343's best Halo game, and it's a damn good one, which is why yes. people want more of it. But yes. you can't leave people hanging for this long to the point where, by the way, this season two update was supposed to drop in february and they delayed it to march so they are mega behind and to me they're saying we're trying to launch forge with season three if if they can't launch co-op with season two but figure out how to launch forge with season three i'll eat my own words but i'd be stunned if that's what happens Yo. because that just seems so idealistic for that to occur i think they just don't want to pour it on too hot here's more bad news we're delaying this as well they're leaving it up in the air deliver some good stuff Obviously, we'll be hyped for that. They'll shut us up for a while. And then come season three, this cycle may return yet again. Now, on the positive side, mm -hmm. and I know you got more to say, so we'll dish it yeah, back sure. to you. Yeah. 
new cinematics, new story events. Curious about that. That sounds different. That sounds new. So I'm excited about that because I really did like aspects of Halo Infinite story. I'm curious yeah. to see where they're going to go. Absolutely. On the disappointing side, what they showed for the new maps, Breaker and Catalyst, still those same like forerunner assets, those like <laughs> silver ramps and <laughs> muted greenery. And I'm just, oh, it's like I'm looking at Fallout 3 and Halo Infinite though. It's like, come on, man. Give me something new. Give me a snow level. That's all I want. But I know it's unrealistic to expect that by season two. So Cog, please continue. You said you had more yeah. to share. No, I was just saying like, you know, I mean, I did like the, the Lobos aren't look cool, you know, whatever. Yes. Okay, fine. You know what I'm saying? But to me, you 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 said some really strong points, and the thing is this: like, especially what you said about the live team. Like, players are not loyal. Nobody's got <laughs> time to be waiting around for you to get it together. Then whatever's the new hotness, they are on the new hotness, and they like, that's what's so frustrating with this situation. Mm -hmm. The game is fire. Like the core gameplay is fire, and it's just like can maybe someone throw more resources your way? I, what do we need to do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, that we can get everyone on board for this mission because it will be a shame. This is not that outside of the, yes, there, there is the PC issue and, you know, the, 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 some of the anti-cheat stuff. Yes, that is an issue that has to be addressed. Of course. And that of takes course. time or whatever resource. Okay, I get that. But if you could somehow get this together, Right. What can we do to accelerate? Because here's the other problem. You talking about campaign co-op. By the time that comes out, like who can like it, it, you better have a whole story beat. Right? Yeah. You you better have like who's gonna play the basic vanilla campaign now? Mm. All right, it's out, y'all. Mm. Let's go do that thing you did in December. Remember? Yeah. Like, like, bro, like it's old. Like, like I'm probably one of the few people that's like, I'm only I'm only reason why I didn't do legendary was because I'm like, all right, when a campaign does come out, I guess I'll do legendary with my friends. Mm -hmm. But at this point, if you don't have anything to package it with that's new, it's literally a feature on an old campaign that everyone in a mom did already so what's the appeal really at that point right yeah. so i don't know it, it just they better get it together man I, i've seen destiny do this and, and and i remember the joke was so how's the live team doing <laughs> that was the joke we'd be like how's that live team we still haven't got new maps we still haven't gotten this and we that's the joke and and, and people are not look destiny had to learn the hard way yeah division came out at one point anthem came out at one point outriders came around and it's just like bro if you don't get these things addressed mm -hmm. they are out they are not loyal, bro. So that's that's just me. Yeah, I'm just hoping yeah, for man. the best. And, and mind you, we're, we're talking season two roadmap planning and delays in March. So it's two months out before this stuff lands. And know that beyond that is when the campaign co-op will eventually drop. Probably E3 timing, summer showcase yeah. timing, you'd imagine. Like, oh. it's just, uh, well, it's unfortunate. Last point, all it takes is Fortnite... Drop a new, you know what I'm saying? Mm. APOC, drop a new this, here come Warzone. Like, you will be behind if you do not get on this quick. So, we, yeah. we'll see. It's on them. Yeah. Sad to say, or sad to see. With that, let's move on to number two. This one was really interesting, I thought. And thank you, Cog, for pointing me in the direction of this news update, because I was very excited when I saw it. 
Bethesda Game Studios is quite busy with finishing up Starfield, but don't be too surprised about a new reveal inbound for the studio. Recently, ZeniMax Media had renewed a trademark from 2020 for a game called Spy Team. The application was filed in January 28th of this year and was recently spotted by Bethesda YouTuber and industry insider Skullzy TV. The trademark was originally filed in 2018 and speculation had driven people to the conclusion that this was Bethesda Game Studios Austin working on another title thanks to job listings that confirm this team is working on a AAA game outside of Fallout 76. Now for a bit of a history lesson, Bethesda Game Studios Austin was formerly known as Battlecry Studios, where they announced the game Battlecry in 2014. The game was eventually canceled, where Battlecry Studios was then rolled into Bethesda Game Studios family as the third studio behind Montreal, where they would then rebrand their name to BGS Austin. So they did have something in development at one point in time that was canceled, and I won't imagine that it was entirely abandoned just to work on 76 as originally a support team, but now the, the main team. So, Cog, what do you feel about potentially BGS Austin releasing a new game? This was the team that really mostly did the work, as many people don't report it, mostly did the work for Fallout 76, right? Interesting. Yeah, so this is interesting. So how do you feel that they're making a, a new IP, potentially? I'm always excited for new IP. <laughs> I'm always excited. For, I want to shout out my boy, um, what you call it, who put this one together, my boy Dealer Gaming as well, who had this out there. But um, yeah, like this was a surprise to me because I guess from a resource standpoint, I didn't think anybody would be available to be doing anything. <laughs> so again, what I hear do do. I just like the name. Can I say how I like the Spotty, name? Spotty. Yeah. Spotty. What's Spotty? What is that about? What are you, where are you going with this mm -hmm. code name? You know what I'm saying? So I'm excited. You know what I mean? I yeah. want to defer to you. Like, what historically, I don't know too much about Bethesda Game Studio Austin. Like, outside of the 76 thing, is there anything else on the docket, on the resume that we should know about or where about or that they kind of responsible? No, for? it was, they were, yeah, they announced Battle Cry in 2014 because I remember this mm -hmm. was during a time where everyone was looking for like something from Bethesda relating to Fallout 4 and they announced this and people were like, what, what is this? And it was like a hero fighter game um, okay. that they eventually canceled and that was the only game they did and when that got canceled, people thought the studio shut down with it but then they at QuakeCon 2018, I want to say, uh, okay. announced that BGS Austin was joining the fold where they said this was formerly Battlecry Studios. I think Pete Hines oh. is the one who confirmed it. So, yeah, um, they then worked on 76 in earnest, uh, helping finish that game and really taking the reins afterwards. And uh, we've seen how that's gone. And I found this to be kind of surprising because, you know, I thought if anyone was going to make their own game from Bethesda Game Studios, it would be Montreal. That was the studio that... that primarily worked on Skyrim special edition, but they to me seemed like the the closest because they were the the second studio behind Bethesda Game Studios Maryland to be revealed. Like they were the first BGS support studio, which I know in a day and age with Ubisoft having a million spots around the globe and Rockstar, same thing. Like this isn't a big deal for people, but for Bethesda Game Studios, like they're very much a family. And so they're very yeah. hesitant, I think, to bring names in just for the sake of growing. Like they're not yes like that so when they announced montreal it was like this oh shit moment like they might actually put games out more than every four to five years which ended up being wrong but you know you you look at montreal and i thought they would be the first to go and uh they they haven't they've just become the mobile team so i'm curious to see what bgs austin does i'm hoping it's not another service game i'm really just yeah, yeah. i know it's not the todd howard team so they can do what they want they don't necessarily have the the dna 
and the and the definition of what that studio is. But they're going to be using the BGS brand. BGS, let's not do what Platinum Games did. Like we know what BGS is known for. Let's make this single player. Let's make this some kind of RPG. Let's rock with that. If Spy Team is like that, great. But since BGS Austin has been so deep into monetization mm. with those hirings I was looking at before this show, mm. I was not feeling super confident that uh, this was single player. But this could have been for 76. But the way they defined it was their next AAA game. So I think it's quite telling. Yeah, yeah it is. I mean, I, I just find it interesting that the trademark is renewed. You know, I, I think that yeah. that is very interesting. So clearly they're sitting on something. It's clearly an idea. And they're ready. It appears to you know either talk, present, or where far, as far as development is concerned. So, yeah, I, I'm curious. Like, what is this, and, and and how quickly will we get an announcement? You know, and I'm I'm very curious. This was a left field one I didn't see coming. To be honest, I thought yeah. Bethesda was completely locked up with everything, and you know, this wasn't something that was on the radar so yeah I'm, I'm curious yeah and and this isn't the first time Bethesda's done this which is why originally I was hesitant to even talk about it because they've had this trademark for a while that's either been on like the drawing board or something it's it's been called giant monster news and it just keeps getting renewed by Bethesda mm, people are like what okay. is this game um okay. and it's been in the the wheelhouse for a while it's kind of in the same realm as I remember there was void which ended up being the engine for arcane to make dishonored okay. 2 Okay. And uh, there was Redfall, which people thought was the next Elder Scrolls, and it ended up being the Redfall we know nowadays, again, with Arcane. Got you. Yep, so yep. these trademarks from Bethesda always historically take a while to come to fruition. Come where to fruition. Like, I was doing some research on Diofield Chronicles, and it turns out that I think it was October or November last year they found a trademark for that. So these do eventually become things, but in the case of Bethesda, it does take a while. Um, they don't always pull the trigger on everything, but... For this to be renewed again for a second time in four years, I imagine this wouldn't surprise me too much if it was announced finally this year on whatever it is, mm. because it was started yeah. in 2018, right? Which yeah. is when 76 came out and right. they worked it, on it, it for a while, renewed it in 2020, pandemic hits, renew it again in 2022 for possibly a reveal. Yeah. And the vibe I got, again, not knowing too much, it's like, you know, if you're renewing it, you, you believe in this vision. And then at that time, this pre-Microsoft acquisition, so now one mm. thing we have seen with Microsoft is that they will allow you to do projects that you've kind of had in this in the tuck mm, and you've been wanting to get out now that the resources there. We've seen examples of that grounded obsidian, you know, um, uh, even though that one didn't work out. But I believe um, bleeding edge ninja theory and <laughs> you know, what I'm saying so they if you've got things in the tuck. One thing they've shown is that so maybe now they're like, you know what? We we can we can put this thing into motion. So I'm curious. Hopefully we get an announcement. Yeah. Especially if it's live service, right? And that's with Xbox in the fold, right? They 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 want that. That game. Yeah, we all about putting that out yeah. there. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh I wouldn't expect this to be announced until uh summer timing because I feel like at this point with Xbox not having much going on in the first half of the year, they're probably just gonna wait it out and, and announce something then. All right, let's move on to number three here. Xbox is growing in Japan for its own standards, but it's hard to imagine they're proud of these numbers. It's been confirmed that the Xbox Series console has already outsold the Xbox One with a confirmed number of 2.3 million combined Xbox console sales in 20 years. Yes, really. This includes the original Xbox, Xbox 360, Xbox One, and now the Series systems. Here are the splits. The original Xbox sold 472,992 units. The Xbox 360 sold 1,616,128 units. 
the Xbox One in its lifetime sold a whopping 114,831 units, and then the Xbox Series X and S has well surpassed that at 142,024. The games are equally telling as the strategy that worked for Xbox when they had their biggest success in Japan. We'll let them speak for themselves. The top-selling Japanese game for Xbox was Dead or Alive 3 on the original one. 271,149 units were moved. Then, the following games were all for Xbox 360. The second highest Japan-selling game was Star Ocean 4 The Last Hope, 208,521. Afterwards was the exclusive originally Tales of Vesperia, 2000 or 204,305 units sold. Then, the next exclusive, Blue Dragon, 203,000 units sold. Lastly, The Last Remnant, 154,493 units sold. And, to my disappointment, where the fuck is Lost Odyssey? What yeah. What's going on, Japan? That's your game, man. What is going on? Get my man, yeah. Miss Walker, the support. That was the best 360 JRPG. Hands down, bar none. I respect these on this list, but no Lost Odyssey? Odyssey? That's a crime. A surprise. Yeah, crime. That's a surprise. Wow. Anyway, yeah. Cog. So my thoughts kind of leaked into this right up here. So some people know how I'm feeling. Let's dish it to you for the fresh uh -huh. original take. I'm going to use the bathroom. How are you feeling about Xbox in Japan? Yeah. Uh, I guess progress <laughs> from, the series, from the Xbox One generation. Good Lord, Xbox One. Man. Oh, man. I was very surprised to see um, the original Xbox just have so much more than the Xbox One. Look, the region, they're just not. It's just not something that people buy in the region. It, we, 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 we have to be clear about that, right? And what we want is for that to change. That's why, you know, me personally, I've been pushing for Japanese development, you know, the initiatives that they've been having there with, on Xbox Wire as far as X, in the, uh, ID at Xbox and, and continuing that push because I don't want them to completely give up in the region. We understand the challenge. <laughs> we understand the battle, but you just don't want to be non-existent. So... You know, I think this is it, it is telling to me that the Series X and S already in its infancy stages have already bump, you know, blew past the Xbox one for a whole generation. That is funny to me. Like, wow. You know, what I'm saying? it also surprised to see that 360, you know, some moderate success. But look, we, we ain't going to sugarcoat it. 20 years and it's, you know, two million is not a good look. Right. It's just right. not. It, it, it's just it's just not bad. It's just bad. So. This is why you got to You got to start. You got to do your grassroots. You got to do your farm. You got to do all the things we're talking about because you don't want you don't want to have no presence at all. Right. That's the last thing. And I think what I learned from Sony, especially during the Jim Ryan era and stuff like that, is that they they slowly started to just take over Europe. Right. And Europe became this big territory for them and, and, and really kind of pushed Xbox out that region. I just think that Xbox, they may never be dominant in Japan, but if they have pockets internationally and they're everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. That to me is a good sign. Another good sign is that, you know, unlike the Xbox One launch, I believe, which was very limited to the territories that it launched in. Like oh, yeah. that was a huge snafu in my opinion yeah, during the Xbox One era. Like that, I'm like, what are you doing? How is your launch not ready? I think they've learned that. I think the Series S is still a very good product and fits the form factor for Eastern culture. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's on them. Last point I'll say to continue the farm, the Xbox wire, the idea at Xbox, the developers, the signing Japanese developers when they are available. 
Yes. <laughs> Platinum. Yes. Get that going. And because look at this sale. Dead Alive 3. I remember when um, that was OG Xbox. The original was his name. Atagi. Like, that's a huge, that was a huge thing at its time, right? You know, you still need those type of games with those type of sensibilities if you want to not be non-existent. Mm -hmm. And especially when you want to do Game Pass. So that's what I got. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you entirely that, of course, we want them to thrive in Japan and be the biggest console they can be in Japan because it leads to excellent JRPGs. But them just having a strong presence is more than enough because the 360 represents that. To me, that was what's so telling about this. Look what happens when your console is successful, which the series console is looking to be successful. Look what happens when it's successful and you invested in that audience and you gave them a plethora of of awesome JRPGs, some of them not listed here, by the way. Infinite Undiscovery is not listed here. Lost Odyssey, I said, is not listed here. Uh, Operation Darkness, an Atlas JRPG, exclusive to 360. I'll fucking faint if that ever happens again. That was there. Like Shout beyond out to Peter as, Moore. Yeah, man. Right? They they got it. They understood it. That's why you had 1.6 million units there compared to your 114,000 afterwards. Because you have not as we've said ad nauseum here, invested in them. But now all this does is embolden me because I see so clearly, right? At first I was like, ah, is the exclusive the way to go? Yes, yes it is. Look at the difference here. Look at the difference here. 1.6 million to 114,000 in next generation. A whole Bro. generation from 2013 to 2020, 114,000 people in Japan said, I hate my life. I'm gonna buy an Xbox One, right? And Xbox Series has already blown past it. And there's That's so many ways they can just grow, right? Yeah. Game yeah, Pass, handheld no, like, device, Steam continue. Deck. Just, it's so obvious that they need to stop beating around the bush here. Invest, invest, invest. Game Pass deals, exclusives. You've unlocked the exclusive beast in me now because I'm not, I'm not letting up now. At first I was like, Game Pass, work, nurture, Get in there and spend. That's what you got to do now. <laughs> God damn. Listen, you got to do something because clearly the 360 era proved there was something being done that was correct, that 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 showed more growth than any other generation. What? I wonder, pray tell, what that may have been, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, what could possibly have caused that spike? Yeah, like you haven't had, you haven't replicated it since. So, you know, yes, Series X and S cost off to a great start. Already passed the Xbox One. That's positive. Yeah. Continue the mission. Continue the thing. That's why we like things like Sega. Mm -hmm. So we like these things. Like, come on. Like, let's let's make it happen. Let's get these mm -hmm. deals moving because it, it, it shows it, you, you can have an effect. Yes. You may never be dominant, but you can have an effect. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And you want that well-roundedness internationally. You just, you can't let someone take over the whole block. Yeah. You don't have nothing there. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> That's just me. It's, it's a very long history, but look at the attachment rate for Dead or Alive 3 to the original Xbox. 472,992 units sold for good the point. original Xbox. Dead or Alive 3, the best-selling Xbox game in the history of this entire brand, 271,000. Good so point. More than half of the people who bought an original Xbox said, I'm buying Dead or Alive 3. I would mm -hmm. look at that data and I'd be like, yo, what's going on with Dead or Alive 7? Like, I... Attack the Bro. fighting game genre. There you go. Two birds, one stone. Like Japan's you, the, the solution. It, it was on your platform. You had the relationship. Mm -hmm. Like, can't you make the call? Like, let's let's go. Like again, it's it's dead. These these are opportunities. Let let's go.
Yeah, I just thought these numbers were really fascinating because it's a it's a, a sobering tale on what's happening in Japan where like people are, are really hyping up their growth and they are doing better in last generation, but 2.3 million yeah, units sold in years. 20 years. Man, I think PlayStation did that in a single fucking year. Like, that's sad. That's sad. And I know they're dominant there, but they shouldn't be so dominant that they have Xboxes combined 20 year history across four systems yeah that's crazy <laughs> that's like I saw that's it when insane. you read it it's like oh yeah so bad done. so bad so please yeah. xbox you're, you're bigger than ever work on it i'm begging you sincerely a jrpg fan all right number four gotham knights arrives october 25th 2022 this is after a delay fist pumping at that one i'm right there with you cog what's the read on this one you excited yeah, I was surprised to see this one. I was like, what? Oh, you outside with a date? Okay. Mm, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like what I saw from this game. So I was I'm excited. You know, this one was definitely on my radar more than probably Suicide Squad, to be honest. You know what I'm saying? I remember when I, Same yeah, I first heard this was the one. You know what I'm saying? And get your little nightwing, get play other little DC characters, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Batman supposedly is dead. We'll see. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like the narrative and I, I I'm in on this one. So yeah, October, I'm in. Good look. And again, you know, if you want to throw the Game Pass money around. Co-op. Co-op. It fits the profile. profile. And and we talked about pop culture. You see the Batman movies out there rocking? Mm -hmm. See the Batman movie out there Mm -hmm. rocking, right? Yeah. Be nice to kind of snatch that up. Mm -hmm. Day and date. Just saying. Just saying. (laughs) Dude. I I swear, man. Like, it's just... there's got to be something internally that's going on where it's just like, they. how do you, like, these are the things that they got to do. And I think they've been so obvious for years between Japan, pop culture. They got to land one of these eventually. But yeah, on the note of uh, Gotham Knights, I'm very excited for this game. I thought the gameplay showcase that they did in 2021 looked really good. And it, it looks like a fun co-op romp in a Arkham City-like setting. And uh, that has me excited. I, I'm, I'm hoping that they do stick to the guns of Batman being dead because uh, it allows hey, these other allows- comic book ca- characters to shine. Right. They got Red Hood in there, man. Yeah. That's I can't describe how awesome that is because there was an, uh, an animated film I watched. I forgot what it was called, but it had Red Hood in it. And just the story behind this character is so dark. He's kind of like almost in a way to me, the Deadpool DC. I love this yeah. character. Just so to see him like as a playable main character is so exciting. You've got Robin in there, Nightwing, Batgirl. Nightwing. Yeah. This is too good to let it slide through and do that surprise. Batman's alive because he'll just steal yeah. the thunder because Batman kicks ass. Like, give this team the time to shine. I'm with you. That would that would send me over the moon, man. What it, it excites me in the same way that Midnight Suns exciting me. Sometimes I don't like when it's always the A level characters, mm. and it's like, yo, give to me the B level characters fit better narratively in a game, a, a video game, yeah. because there's more exposition, more way you can expound on them, yeah, give more you don't shine. Know as much, typically. Yeah, like I'm with that. And I shout out to my boy um, Midway Mars. He's a big um, DC fan, fan, and he's like pumped when he mm. saw those characters. Yeah, so I'm in. I'm that's that's a day one for me. I'm definitely yeah. on that one. And I'd say that like Batman's in a in a great place where it's big enough to to have these characters be known as well, yes. right? Like the yes. original Batman, show, one of the original Batman shows with Adam West. Like you know, it had. Robin in there is Burt Ward, you know, it's so there you go. Yeah, let's do it, man. All right. Number five. This one's f- is fascinating. And I, I got some thoughts on it. Fallout 76 
has five more years of content planned if design director Mark Tucker of Bethesda Game Studios Austin is to be believed. Speaking to all schemers, here's what he had to say. Quote, the funny thing is, is if I could share with you what's on the other monitor right here, you would love to see it because it's a five-year roadmap that I'm working on. We have long-term plans. Things get a little fuzzier the further we go out, but we adjust and adapt as things show up and we see what players want and what they're doing. But a lot of my time right now is spent planning that three and five-year roadmap. The three-year roadmap is a lot more understood and known. At five years, it gets a little more fuzzy, but we're still dedicated to updating Fallout 76. The message to our players is there should be no reason to think we're not going to continue updating the game. We have things that we're doing to ensure that we continue producing updates for the game for a long period of time. We've got a lot of fun, cool stuff that I can't wait to tell people about. Stuff that's beyond this year end quote. <laughs> Mind if I just jump this off? Yes, please. I'm going to take partial responsibility for this. I know a lot of fans were upset, but I made a video literally saying this game's on life support. And just to see this type of response saying, let me find the exact sentence here. The message to our players is that there is no reason to think we're not going to continue updating this game. <laughs> Taking shots. Yeah. Not to me. Not to me. I'm just saying in general, I feel like the pressure was on after that, really, because as we talked about on this show, the 2022 roadmap for 76 was just barren. And after talking with Jeff Grubb, the word is they want activity in the Fallout license beyond 76. They don't just want this to be the only thing. They need more releases. When we talked about, and this was more speculative, but when we talked about, hey, is it Obsidian? Is it in Exile? We kind of came to the conclusion that Xbox is in a spot where they're kind of all options on our table. Why not both type of mentality? Like they want activity there. And with that activity, it's going to kill 76. So that's a no doubter. Like it's just going to do worse from that point on. I don't think it's going to strengthen it because it's not what people like about Fallout. I think it'll tread water, but there comes a point where you're going to need the talent, the manpower, and there's a lot there for 76 that you will have to move somewhere else eventually where the, the gains become so minimal that they've got to move somewhere else to maximize a remaster gain. Uh, Obsidian Studios, or in, I'm sorry, Obsidian Entertainment Fallout gain. Uh, in Exile type of Fallout gain. Like way bigger margins here. I think eventually there's going to be a business decision made because he says he's mapping it out. I don't know if that means the whole team is buying in and that Bethesda up above is like, yeah, that's that's what we're going to do. Because right now, talks are ongoing. They're working out what's next for Fallout because this was supposed to be the thing that carried it until Bethesda Game Studios was getting back to it in 2030. That ain't happening. And everyone understands that. It's funny because a couple of people like sent it my way because I made the video saying it's on life support and they're like, look, look, five-year plan. I'm like, I, I will, you could throw it in my face if you want. This game is dead before then. I'm telling you, this game is dead before then. And if it's hanging around, it's hanging on by a thread. It's not bigger. So that's my caveat. That's my little safety net. If it hangs around, it is not by any stretch of the imagination bigger. And in fact, I'd say it's smaller. But I've ranted. I got more to say, but Cog... What is your read on what's going on with 76, the plan to support more content, how this impacts the Bethesda family and the future of the Fallout license? All right, let me just get Selfish Cog out the way. I don't care about 76 right. at all. At all. I, I, and I tried to give it a chance. Where they lost me off the rip was the reason why I love, one of the main reasons why I love the Fallout series is I think Vats is the coolest thing ever. Once I was shooting in real time, it was no, and I know design program wise, that's probably not going to work on no 
multi yeah. online service environment. I get it. But that's when I realized, damn, I love Vats, but I can't do it. Mm. I don't like this game. <laughs> so I, I, I was kind of, and then it was sense. Jake. Yeah, it was janky. It was rough. And I was, at the beginning, I was just like, I'm good. I remember when it went free. I'm good. You know, they, they, they bounced back. God Howard called up Phil. It was a sad call. How could, <laughs> what we can we do to fix it? You know, they were working it out. Whatever it took to make the relationship good so that you could be acquired by Microsoft, right. that's all I cared about. So selfishly, I really don't care about Fallout. I, I hate that, like, sorry, 76 fan. I don't care about you. I want a main Fallout game. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the question I have, which is, what are the player counts? I'm very curious. They're like, not h- atrocious. You know, I don't want right. to sit here and sell like it's completely dead. It's definitely declining in a manner of Declining. Speaking. Okay, because I'm curious Not on significantly, that. but... The reason why is because more. if you're talking about roadmaps then i was like well maybe they maybe it rebounded maybe it has numbers i don't know i don't i don't play this game so it's like that's what i'm curious about but is there enough for them to justify this kind of talk because maybe it did rebound and maybe people are playing maybe they did no man's sky i don't know you know yeah for perspective here let's go this this is really important to note here because it it serves a point that i've been making for a while but to, to put numbers behind it really helps so in I don't want to just run all my argument off of the Steam player charts, but it's a really helpful resource to kind of get a gauge on where this game is at. In April 2020, for those who never tracked 76, uh, they released Wastelanders, which was the big expansion that overhauled the game. And that is when I said this game is in a good spot because you thought from there they'd keep building on it and kind of just realize like people want to co-op Fallout, not live service Fallout, which is a big difference there. And it looked like that was the direction they were heading. You could quest together. There was dialogue. Some of those dialogue choices were better than Fallout 4s. Like, it was kind of crazy. Yeah, it was a good expansion. I always give them props for that. Then the Steel Dawn and Steel Rain stuff came out, and it was underwhelming. It was not what they had delivered on. I think it's because Wastelanders, while it turned around a lot of community perception and made a lot of current fans happy, it didn't bring in a new audience. So when you look at the Steam player charts, and of course, Fallout 76 for some time was a bigger Game Pass game. Mm -hmm. It peaked at... An average, uh, or I'm sorry, it peaked at 21k players in April, and then 31k mm-hmm. in um, May of 2020. Okay. Okay. Not bad, right? This is not when bad. they launched their biggest update for the game so far. Not bad, not bad. Since then, mm-hmm. it is not past 15k concurrent players mm. since, let's see here, October 2020. Mm-hmm. It had, I'm sorry, 16K in 2021. These are peak player counts here, but the average player count has only dipped where we've seen since April 2020, uh, it was 15,000 was the average player count on Steam. It has mm-hmm. been below 10,000 every month since then. All right. Every That's month since then, uh, okay. which again, the point here is, is it dying? No. Right. No, not right. really. It's treading water, which is what I've been saying it's for a treading. while. Yeah, it's that's, that's it's what I'm not at. growing, yeah. and it's right. why 76 has a battle pass, a subscription service, and an atomic shop, aka the microtransaction mm-hmm. shop. The reason they have that is because are they are they going wide and getting new players? Clearly not that many. But are right. they cannibalizing and like eating having the players right. eat out of their hands that do love this game? Of course. Right? right. And don't get me wrong, these numbers aren't definitive in the sense of right. like they only have five right now it says uh, a 24 hour peak was 6.7k okay and it came to steam much later with the launch right. of wastelanders which again should inflate its numbers if anything but right you know 
it, it is a little higher on Xbox. Of course it will be with Game Pass. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at it right now. It's it's number 28. Okay, it's so not... 28 most top 30 games played. You know, it's surprisingly above... Wow, Steve, these, why is Steve, number 30? What happened? <laughs> That's interesting. Ben? I'm just looking at that. That's ben? different, Ben. We got to talk about that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's 28. It's ahead of um, Star Wars Battlefront. It's next to Ferrana fight FIFA. Yo, I, how's Elder Scrolls Five higher than Fallout Seventy? That's crazy. I would no add. I'm gonna say if we want to add a soft number, add 15k on top of what we got here. Okay, and that's probably okay. what they're playing around with. A decent yeah. player base, but when you look at the insane gains you could have as a franchise, as a business, if you were to make a new Fallout game, I'm sorry, I don't see this five year roadmap coming to fruition. I think they clean up work on let's get right. expeditions out. Right, the new thing they're doing for the pit. I think they get modding out because that'll keep the game alive for years. Right. And I think they finish up whatever they got left here and they start to move talent move over. Like they'll announce the plans know, internally. Maddie, and start I shipping. don't know. That's fine. You let, can push back. Let please. me let me tell you I'll push back. Like when they making statements, when you make a statement, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my map right here and five years. Like to me, you don't feel like you throwing in the towel. Oh, you think it's just lip service? Uh, I think it's just lip service because they've done this in the past. I'm not trying to disservice your, your no, counterpoint. Me, makes you... sense because if it was any other company, I'd shut up right there, right? It's like, yeah, you know, you don't come out and say that. But they promised modding for 76 in 2019, and they Ooh. still haven't done it. They promised pets Ooh. in like 2020, and they still haven't done it. Like this game wow. has a, a story. They promised no game-changing microtransactions and built a subscription service. This game, again, it just is for the people who are obsessed with it because everyone else is like, well, 76 fucking blows. Like, I'm just moving on with my life. But most people who are in there, in the cut, are like eating it all up. They're like, ooh, subscription service. Ooh, gameplay mechanics here. Mm. Like, nice. This game has a long history of betraying promises. So to me, Mark, no disrespect to you, brother. Not calling you a liar. I'm just saying... You guys have burnt me one too many times on the 76 front, and I'm not believing that you got a five-year road plan. You know, just sitting there like, oh, I wish you could see what I'm working on here. All these ideas I have that, you know, that Bethesda has yet to approve of. That's a good point. Listen, it's a valid point. And again, I would defer to you here. You know, you know the history better than me. The only thing I will say that it is interesting to me is that they could theoretically, and I say they're going to do it, you're probably not going to like it, but they theoretically could treat this as their Elder Scrolls Online. And it's That's like, the plan, yeah. Yeah, not get rid of it. And, you know, it'll be this ongoing thing regardless. And maybe, maybe their internal financials is, is what you said, which is the player count's not high, but people who are living in it are spending. Mm-hmm. And if the monetization model is working, they're not going to throw away that revenue source. So I don't know what the internals are on that for them to even think about five-year roadmaps. But I will say this. I don't think, I know you like frustrated with them. <laughs> I don't think this is going to inter- interfere with your fallout dream. I really don't. I, I don't think, think this it is will a separate either. team. They going to rock. To me, they're the Elder Scrolls. They're the like the low budget version of Elder Scrolls Online. That's just you doing you. But the real base is waiting for you know, Elder Scrolls six and you know what I'm saying? Like that the real base is waiting for Fallout. And we just see, you know, but it's funny that they're like brazen, like I'm looking at my screen and we've got the like, okay, all right. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. I just um yeah, I don't think it'll interfere either. I just think there'll come a point where not to repeat myself, but yeah, no. they're gonna look at the numbers. If they release a new Fallout game, like of course it's gonna blow seventy six yeah. out of the water. 
in in a quick sure. matter of time, for like sure. player for count, sure. sales wise. Like that's not an exaggeration. Just to assume off the rip that whatever they announce is going to deal a crippling blow to that game, and there will just come the point internally where they're like, okay, we're making money here, but like, why are we still doing this if we're not making a lot? And like, how how much do we gain from this if we could just move town over to get the, the next big fallout done? Now you look like you had a eureka moment, hold so let's hear it. Hold on, hold. On. Let me get some corporate car going right now. All right, now. let's go. What if they? Now that we got the announcement, right? And it's like New Vegas two or whatever, right? From Obsidian, that's going to make this fallout game. What if you use this as an opportunity to bolster 76 by putting related content to get the that hype would be up great. while you wait? That would be great. If they had an actual reasonable roadmap for 76 that looked like they cared about adding content, that would be great. Like I'm for that. When they did Wastelanders, like everyone could go back and look at my videos. I was hyped for it. it I played it. I thought it delivered. And I was hyped for the future of that game because I'm like, this is the Fallout 76 that we really wanted. And since then, it has not delivered. And you look at the 2022 roadmap, not to beat a dead horse here, mm -hmm. but really, overall, all it is is one new feature, which is the expeditions. Yes, you have the public events, but everything's like less expansive of the game, and they're just kind of rehashing content. And, and the reason for that is because they're not getting enough money to create new assets for these new features. So I'm just, I'm not feeling overly confident about the future of this game. And I just, I, I would love, I mean, your idea is beautiful. If they could synchronize this type of stuff, that'd be, that'd be great. I just feel like this game's so obsessed with going against the grain when it's like, Hey, go back to the capital wasteland, go back to the Mojave, print money. Like people want to see these games Definitely. locations updated and yeah. you haven't done a remaster. Maybe they didn't do it because they didn't want to close the door, the door entirely mm -hmm. on a remaster. But if you could say, we're going back to the capital wasteland, like, Mm. Oh hell yeah! Like bro. through seventy six, like I can see you almost a that prequel. Fallout three, bro. They, they they sitting on and remember the reason why I'm I'm still like it ain't might not be over. This was the game. God Howard specifically called up Phil about in. I'm making it. I'm exaggerating. In tears, like yo, what do we do? <laughs> I've never seen anything like this. And Phil was like, yo, we got you. Don't worry. We, we you know, we can offer research, whatever we got to do to help. Like this was the game. Mm -hmm. So this means a lot to, to to time. And Phil is invested to help. So I could see them saying, all right, four or five years, we're going to restructure this whole thing. There's a new roadmap. Maybe it was dead at one point, but post deal. Now maybe sure. they've reinvigorated some resources. I don't, I'm sure. Listen, no, you, I don't even play this game. I don't, like this. I don't even know why I'm capping so hard for this game. I don't even like this game. <laughs> That's so open-minded cog. That's why. It's open-minded. I don't even care about this game. But it just it it is interesting that it won't die. <laughs> it is, and I'm not advocating for its death. There are people's jobs based off of it. There's people who love Correct. it. I'm just saying that I don't see a bright future, and I do think there is a degree of it's just in the way. Maybe like I think I think pre Xbox, <laughs> it, it was just in the way. Like it just was get out of the way. There's obviously stuff we all want, and you're just standing there as this immovable <laughs> obstacle. That said, though. I think you bring up some fair points, Cock. Like, I do think maybe Xbox could have shaken things up, a little influx of cash. Maybe they do something different because the idea with 76 with the service mindset was really like people were excited about the idea of we don't have to wait four to five years to check out a new location in Fallout. Like, we can go to these new locations recurrently in expansion form content and see what it has to offer. Like, hell yeah, that sounds great. Still to this day, as you just saw me react, like, it sounds awesome if they were like, you're going to Mojave. 
and we'll see you in 2023. Oh. It's like, okay, they're seeing a little bit of that with the pit, but it's coming now four years after the release of the game. Like, that's the point is it, it, it's like there's I'll a window. It. There's a window. Yeah, there's a window. And I'll if they fair. can, if they've now reinvigorated the window and they're like, yeah, we're going to start doing this. We're going to start going a ton of new spots. It's like, okay, this could work because it's, you know, Fallout's a lot. It's just exploration. It's seeing these new desolate locations and and this game could have thrived on that but they kept you in the appalachia for four years just That's doing funny. the same bullshit so yeah. Yeah. we gotta see how, now you got me i'm gonna be paying attention to every 76 it's hours. worth paying like, attention to because so it's so invested with this now yeah it's worth paying attention to because it's a very very interesting game to follow all right last bit of news here goes to gta 5 gta 5 is the only game outside of skyrim to release a billion times over and soon on march 15th the game will arrive to xbox series consoles as well as playstation 5 it should be a safe expectation that one of the best-selling games of all time and one of that is continuously in the top 20 sales for each month since its release can hand out a free next-gen upgrade. Indeed, there is no free upgrade path for existing owners of the game. GTA 5 will instead carve its own path by selling the single-player component of the game at 75% off at $10 before moving up to $40 after three months. That pricing is the current situation for PlayStation. Puzzlingly, Xbox fans have to pay more. The same exact single-player mode will cost Xbox players $20 before moving up to the same $40 as well after three months. GTA Online will be, a, will be free on PlayStation 5 for the first three months. Meanwhile, Xbox fans will have to pay $10 for that as well before the price goes up for both platforms to $20. Michael Buffalo writes in, Hey Dukes, GTA 5's next gen will not be a free upgrade for previous owners of the game. Even worse, Xbox owners will have to pay a little bit more than PlayStation owners. My question is, with GTA 5 being the best-selling game of all time and a mainstay on the monthly NPD, how bad of a look is this? Is how bad of a look is this for Rockstar? Cog, what's the read on this one? Yeah, this is weird. Um, I was kind of looking into it, you know, and I, I saw some, I saw I think an article, I think I don't know, it was a video games chronicle. They would kind of say it appears due to some type of previously announced promotion, which sees the uh, GTA Online available for PlayStation Plus subscribers to claim it free for the so that's what seems to be in play here so i don't want to get too crazy on them but it is weird like why why were they were getting this this uh extra you know this, this kind of deal but maybe just some type of marketing yeah. deal with playstation plus could be at play here because i've never heard of anything like that yeah. i was like why is one group paying more than the other groups i was about to go in i was just like what is this so that's what it, it seemed to be maybe just some type of pre-existing deal with playstation plus that is affecting that price but from an optic standpoint, it don't look good. <laughs> it doesn't look good at all. That's all I got, really. No, yeah, I, I think it's interesting that PlayStation, as well as Take-Two, are taking this route of trying to monetize upgrades. Like, I guess with some games, if I see you need some money, I, I, okay, sure. I, I mean, PlayStation, you don't need more. Take-Two with GTA Five certainly doesn't need more. I don't know how you can be one of the best-selling games ever made and still ask for $10 to upgrade. Of course, yeah, it's because the amount of people who own it are going to pay $10 in mass, and they're probably going to make more than they made off GTA Trilogy. Like, it's going to be insane. But, I, again, there's that moralistic thing that mm -hmm. kind of clouds all this where not every bag's a good bag. And I get the the tantalizing idea of looking at GTA five fans and going, you fools have been buying this game since 2013 and you're going to buy it again, whether you like it or not upgrade path or separate purchase or getting you one way or another. I don't know why 
with how many microtransactions are in the game, like they haven't done a free upgrade path. It's it's just disappointing. It really is. It is. I don't know. I, I don't want to say I don't know. I do know. I keep we saying do I know. don't know, but we know yeah. why. I'm in denial, though, because it's just sad to say. It's sad to see. You, you, you look at the current state of affairs in gaming where you get something like Elden Ring for 60 bucks still, and then you look at GTA 5 charging you now another 10 bucks to upgrade when you're an owner of the game. And we're talking almost a decade next year after release. Oh. It's absurd. We know who this is. Yeah. You know, to me, this is just when, what was it, NBA 2K set the jet off. Mm -hmm. He's like, here's the diagram. Oh, yeah. Five models. Here's the next-gen path. Then how are you going to get there? Yeah. Once they saw that, they was like, oh, next-gen? Mm. Oh, you want better graphics and frame rates? <laughs> and they know the power they have. Because as much as people talk, much mm. as people... Every, I know my boys that buy that 2K every year and they spend like $100, 200 in VC. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. they, I, it, it, GTA is the same thing. I know these people, they're going to buy it every year and they got the metrics. They know we can sit here and talk, but dudes is buying. So mm -hmm. it to me, yes, egregious. I don't like it. I mean, thank God I'm not really into GTA like that anymore. So this does not affect me. Yep. I will see y'all on the new game. When y'all decide to actually make a new one, I will be back. But I'm not buying you a thousand times. Mm -hmm. I have no interest Same. in this thing. Just, so uh, I'm good. Yeah, just uh, release Bully 2 and then we'll talk Take 2. That's, that's all I'm saying. Exactly. I'll be, I'll be willing to negotiate it next gen upgrade if that's the case if that, is, <laughs> exactly. if that is the deal i will do it exactly all right that's all the news we got for this week it's time for the game pass pick of the week cog's been holding it down for a while i got a bit of a spicy one i warned you before the show i was like this is an interesting one but uh, i want to highlight this it's time to put some respect on the worst final fantasy trilogy ever made and that's right we're talking about final fantasy 13 because lightning returns has just been released on xbox game pass it's on pc it's on console. I'm going to recommend the console route. My friend tried to play Final Fantasy 13 on PC through Game Pass, and apparently it was terrible. So oh. I'm just going to warn everyone about that and tell you to check out the console version. They they put an FPS boost on and all this stuff. So it's looking sharp. Lightning Returns. I mean, the, the Final Fantasy 13 trilogy in general is just fascinating. Like, it's three different games that tell an overarching story. Like, the, the first ones, each of the, the first two combat, or the first two games have a completely different combat system, and then the stories and the party systems are different. Like in Final Fantasy 13 2, you've got this Pokemon system where you can capture creatures and you only have one other party member. While in Final Fantasy 13, you have like three party members in battle at once. They're vastly different. And then in Lightning Returns, they have a very interesting job system that's based off mm -hmm. the outfits you're wearing with the face buttons. Mm -hmm. And you'll change your outfits based off, uh, uh, I'm sorry, your attacks based off what outfit you're wearing. And so it's like a mobile job system. What's cool, though, is this game's like Majora's Mask. It puts you on a clock, and the clock is winding down, so you have some urgency to complete stuff, and y'all know I love that mechanic. But the reason I'm doing this is not to tell you to start with the third game in the series, although you could do that, but to just you know let it be known that Final Fantasy XIII as a trilogy isn't as bad as people make it out to be. Oh. It isn't as bad as people make it out to be. Now, the, the first thirteen. Yeah, you want to watch a little <laughs> bit of a, a summary walkthrough of that. But that game was so catastrophically destructive, like Andromeda levels destructive, which it wasn't even bad. It's not a bad game. It's just very, 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 very 
I could go on linear. So mm-hmm. it really hurt the, the 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 brand name. But then you get the thirteen two. The music's fire. The combat's fun. The characters are great. It's a true story that I think is worth caring about. And then it wraps up in lightning lightning returns. And what I thought was another great entry. It's just uh, it gets slandered far too much. So I'm using this as a platform, a call to arms to my Final Fantasy 13 brethren who also don't like Final Fantasy 12 just like me. This is a, a series that if you slept on for a while and you've got a little openness in your JRPG heart, give it give it a shot. Okay. It's not it's not trust me. 132 <laughs> It's a great. It's one of my favorite Final Fantasies, and I'd they say be I'm coming quite, for this one, Maddie. Um, they be coming for this one. They be disrespectful. I'm not defending the first game. You can okay. watch a summary on that. But Final Fantasy 13 too. If you keep an open mind, it's got some Chrono Trigger mechanics in there with time travel. It's got a really fun combat system. It's got a fun capture mechanic. The music's great. I mean, there's just a lot there that I think if you go in, you you might enjoy it. So. Speaking of Lightning Returns, I just wanted to promote the whole trilogy and just let people know that uh, as someone who's played a lot of Final Fantasy games, especially recently, um, that uh, this is a a good one. It is a good one. Fair enough. Fair enough. Selling it. All right. Anything you have to add to that or shall we move on? It's just funny because I know how like controversial that is and that the final fantasy community is so passionate and it's just funny to listen to it. So I just love it to hear the battles of people talking it. Yeah, look, I mean... Final Fantasy as a as a series is so interesting because it's so mobile. Like people loved Final Fantasy 15. I love Final Fantasy 15. But as I got further away from it, I'm like, I don't think I like this game as much. And I went back to it, and was like, yeah, never mind. So I think with this one, it's the opposite. People played it like, I hate this. This sucks. Get further away from it. It's like, why did I hate it? Give it another try if you're one of those people. I think okay. you might have something there that's uh that's good in store. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's wrap this up with our five final questions of the show, starting off with Ray Hernandez, who writes, Hi, Dukes. I got to ask, with all this talk about Elden Ring being too difficult and not accessible, I find it hard to believe that From Software did not make magic intentionally overpowered for those who want an easier experience. I'm a level 80 astrologer with roughly 30 hours in the game, and I can blast my way through some of the toughest bosses with ease. I try not to use my superpowers too often, but if I'm short on time or in a pickle, I can equip the Comet Azure spell, which this is a Kamehameha for those who don't know, and combine it with the Crystal Tear that eliminates all FP usage for a short amount of time to delete whatever is in my way. The crazy thing is that some of the most powerful spells can be acquired by just exploring the land and not boss fights. This is a very good point, by the way. Mm. My friends hate me and judge me for it, but I love it and have no shame. As someone who has limited time for video games in a month where there are so many games to play, I am having a blast, pun intended, and don't feel left out of the conversation. (laughs) Ignoring the purist and haters, could this be a good answer to accessibility or should players not be restricted to a class? Thanks for all the content you guys do on LSM and your own YouTube channels and podcasts. Thank you, Ray. Mm, This is interesting. I kind of... I kind of like what Ray said. Like, if I'm playing, I, I would probably yeah, play I saw your eyes. Go, I saw your eyes go open a little wider I with that like, one. You're like, oh, I can do what? I yeah. can, okay. Like, interesting. So, let me ask this, though. From the purest perspective, this is frowned upon. The people, the Dark Souls purists say. I ignore the FromSoft that- community entirely. I don't care. Oh. <laughs> I, 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 I don't care. Like, you want, these games are hard, and they give you these systems to use because they're hard. So, some are easier than others, but, like, there's a, for example, for those who are playing, they'll know bleed builds this game mm. as you hit with a weapon that applies bleeding it'll build up a status effect bar 
And when the status effect bar fills, which can fill mighty quickly, you'll like shred 3000 health in two seconds, which is a lot, mm. by the way. So there are a lot of ways to cheese this game. I still think it's really hard. Granted, I played the game as a faith build, which has a lot of great incantations, but and is strong, but it's not as strong as the astrologer. Like the astrologer, I always say, like there's a little bit of sorcery favoritism here. My incantations uh -huh. were slept on a little bit. Some of them don't do enough damage. The bleed mm -hmm. builds are OP, but this game is still tough. You still have to be decent at video games, I'd yeah. say, good at video games, to to go through some of the toughest bosses, right. like like Millennia. So okay. In answer to your question, I, I just ignore the purest, but you look like you had more to say, so please continue. No, I was just like, I think this is, first of all, I salute to them for designing the game they want to design, right? That's number one. Salute to Fran for that. But um, I think this is cool. Like, it's just another way to play it. Again, if you want to get the casual like me, <laughs> the casual from like me, now you got my intent. Like, I don't have to play hack and slash crazy way. I can play with this mage and get my Kamehameha on and, and do these things and summon my little minions and go like, now nah, you got my intent. <laughs> not, again, not that they had to do it and forced to do it to make an easy move. I'm always going to be on the side of the if the developer does not want that stuff, but clearly they put it in the game for a reason. They are trying to push people towards a path, an optional path if they choose. So that would be something I might look into if I decide to get into this. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, Ray, I don't know if you listened to our last episode, but I talked about the boss design in this game and how you can beat the game solo. You could, absolutely. But this game is built around summons. You you bring in not a friend to summon. You could, but you have a ton of spells that you'll unlock throughout the whole game, as you've likely seen, that let you bring in a buddy, effectively, an AI partner to distract the boss even and just shoot them from behind. So this game is more approachable. I don't think it's easier, though. I really don't. Like, I, I died a ton in this game, and I consider myself pretty good at From Software video games. And I was getting rinsed a lot of the times and trying over and over and over. <laughs> like it is, it is a hard game. Um, they just give you more tools at your disposal that when you figure it out, it's like the, the light flips on a little quicker. You're like, okay, now I know you can focus on boss patterns more. I don't think it answers the conversation and accessibility. And it seems like from software doesn't care and they have every right not to care. Uh, I, I understand it. where people are coming from. Uh, they want to experience this game. I think that the the sales for this game are going to tell people a totally different story, which is it's not that inaccessible. Of course, I'm not talking about disabilities and whatnot. Right. But I'm talking about getting players in. There was a report, thanks to Steam Spy, if it's to be yeah. believed, that is suggesting that this game sold 10 million copies on Steam alone, which as it passed, I think, 900,000 players on Steam is the sixth most, most played game of all time, like concurrent players, I should mention. Yeah. This game is doing insanely well. Obviously, I don't mm. want to run away with those numbers, but right. the difficulty has not kept people out because guess what? Games were super hard when they first started, and they are still hard to this day. And not every experience is built for everyone. I, I know it's shitty to say, apparently, no, in this industry. With, but, you know I'm with you on that. Yeah, but I just, you on that. I just can't sit here and act entitled when I don't like a game because it's not made for me. Like, not every exactly. game is made for everyone. I can even Preach. say that for my own game. My Preach. game is probably... I don't want to say what, but it's not for everybody. Yeah, I, I was about to like spoil my own thing, but Ooh, yeah. About but, to get that exclusive. <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> we'll eventually talk about it. But my no, point no. being is not everything is for everybody. You make things Absolutely. for specific crowds. And From Software is so beloved that they're lucky that their, their games are reaching mainstream levels, but they've reached that path 
through I respect the hell out of this. Staying true to themselves, man. Stay true to yourself. Stay I'm true with to that. themselves. You don't have to acquiesce, you know, and again, it it's just you know, not to get too preachy, but I just feel yeah. like I'm with you. Like not everything's for everybody and it's okay. It is okay. Like there's some games I'm just never going to either gravitate to or be good at. And it's okay. I don't have to be the champion of every game or like every game or feel, you know, the, the only thing I would say is like from a control standpoint, you know, the person is allowed to play it and, or maybe configuration, maybe, you know, other than that, I don't really, if, if they want to design a very hard encounters or difficult encounters, you know, knock yourself out. If you want to have, you know, a specific type of content, mature, whatever, knock yourself out. It's up to the game to decide if it's for you or not. And that's it. I'm always going to be pro developer. Make the game you want to make, even if it's niche, hardcore, and you just only want to ascribe to that. that yep. That's your choice. Yep. Absolutely. So uh, great write in here from Ray. I don't think there's anything wrong with you using spells. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from software gave a lot of answers to to being able to approach this game. A lot of people are saying yeah. they're having an easier time because you can walk away. As Cog said at the top, you can walk away from a boss fight, come back later. And uh, that's a great thing. Again, you'll still come back and get slapped around every I've learned this outside of like What's the right? right opening part of the game. Most things still hit you hard enough and frequently enough because of great enemy encounter design that you still right. got to be on your toes. You just you're right. going to hit harder and they're going to hit a little bit less, but they still will knock you down and do damage. Like if you're on your horseback and enough enemies hit you, you will fall off and they can just beat the life out of you on the ground. <laughs> so, again, you got to be on your toes. I don't want people to come in thinking it's easy. It right. will be well, more absolutely. accessible, though, in that, in that yeah, specific absolutely. way. All right, let's talk with the rogue who watched our latest episode that went live on free feeds of Defining Duke Ultimate. He says, sup, Dukes. I was listening to Defining Duke Ultimate with Mark Dara. And when he was describing how to make a big game efficiently, it sounded to me like he described the exact model that the initiative is following, which Kaga, I think you said. A core team creates a good core gameplay loop and clearly understands their game. Then after that, you can throw money at it. The initiative worked with their relatively small team for two to three years. Then they hired a relatively large team to finish the project off. What do you guys think? Encouraging the model for the future? Take it easy. Love this question. I do too. Because when Mark was talking, that literally was, mm -hmm. I'm like, yo, initiative is, think, is kind of using that model that he, because remember we asked Mark specifically, you know, and you asked him too, like, you know, with, 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 you know, a studio as big as it is and, you know, when you have all those resources, you know, what what do you think is the ideal thing for game development? And he kind of mentioned, you know, you got to have that core foundation first. You got to kind of know what your game is first. And he appreciated those smaller teams, right, where you had the vision. And then from there, then you can go execute out after the core is there. Because he said sometimes with the bigger team, everyone's got their, you know, name in the pot, but nothing's really getting moved on the core the essence is not there it's still it's all these reiterations and you don't have a foundation so you know with the initiative that's what we've learned right because we were like yo we thought they were big and then no they were really small yeah. and then they they're gonna go get crystal dynamics to go outfit the rest of this framework that they have you know it remains to be seen if this is going to be the future of game development if this is going to result in a good game because ultimately that's what it ultimately yeah. comes down to yeah is this game going to be good right and we, we have to see but if it is successful i could totally see this might be the new model this 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 could be the new thing because let's, th let's think about it like from a resource standpoint you save money you're not going crazy with this you know 200 whatever staff or whatever sure. whatever and 
as long as you got that framework and a strong team that makes those tough decisions, kind of like what Mark iterated, then yeah, I, that's why initiative is very interesting. I'm glad Rogue brought it because literally when Mark was talking, I'm like, yo, that's kind of what initiative is doing. Yeah. So what do you think? You know, is, is this could this be something that could be a model or where you at? This definitely to me seems like a good model for the future. I don't mean to keep bringing it up because I'm sure it can get a little annoying because I don't have anything to show for it. But I just reference a lot of my experience with game development because I've, I've, it's better me regurgitating what someone said and instead of just being referencing my own intimacy with game development. And what I've really learned is, you know, we can look at someone like Ubisoft as a strong example that they have so many staff, so many teams, yet their games kind of come out the same. And there are really weird creative decisions like, why is the menu like this? Why does the combat function like this? And it feels like different heads are doing different things. And it's exactly that. When you have the prototype being built by a company saying, this is the set of systems that we're working with here and now build on top of that. That's a lot easier than Ubisoft, which effectively has too many cooks in the kitchen, right? They have too many minds on the design team. Everyone wants a piece of the pie. They should honestly slice it down. I know that may result in people not having jobs, but I'm just saying for the sake of the game, like this is something that that's why those games suffer because too many people have input. And it's not just like, this is the design of the game. This is what it's going to be. Let's build on top of it. Because it's like, think of Legos and building pieces on top of you know, whatever you're making, right? Let's say you're making a, a Lego car or building or whatever. Instead of buying a whole new set, you you rearrange the pieces you have. And that's what good design is. Creating enough systems that are flexible, that can be bent in a number of ways, where instead of making a whole new thing, you can creatively use what's already there, which saves time. And the way you get that you know, ability to figure that out, test it, adjust, Etc. and repeat is by keeping your team small. You keep your team small, which you're, it's why you see a lot of indie games coming out creatively with a lot of ideas that all seem to fit well together. Their teams are small. It's not 80 people on design. It's like four, two, maybe, you know, not a lot. Uh, and the vision's very guided. Does that always mean the game's going to be good? No, but yeah. it does mean that things are a lot more coherent and that you can be, I hate to use the term because initiative uses it. I felt it. You can be more agile. I've had yeah. the ability to see someone go, oh, let's adjust this because we have the ability to. And then once you put it in place, there is no going back. That is the scary part. Like yeah. once you finalize, like these are our systems. This is what you're doing. You rock with all the pros and cons of that. So that's why a lot of teams take a while concepting the design of a game because you want to make sure there's no holes in it that you can't foresee. Uh, obviously you can't see everything it'll present, but if your biggest issue in an RPG is how something maths out, you can figure that out. If the issue is instead class build and new features that would fix that, that's where you start to run into a wall. That's where you start to see delays. So I think the, the, the model of a small team creating the idea and then bringing it to kind of the workhorse is excellent. And I hope that the initiative thrives with this because I want other companies from my experience to follow suit with that because I could totally see what we have for our game, this kind of prototype, this working design of it, I could see us sending this to someone being like, all right, you got it all. Make something on top of this and, and throw money on it. Execute, right? Because at that mm -hmm. point, the pressure's on on making fun stuff, right? The, the the hard work is out of the way. The hard work is designing. Then it's like, again, the Lego stuff. It's, it's like putting the pieces together, trying things out, building encounters, designing those. 
And of course, there's hard work in all of that. But I'm, I'm going on and on here. My point being that uh, I would, I would, I think it's encouraging to hear what Dara said. I hope that if he comes back to the games industry, he does that. And I hope that yeah. uh, the initiative thrives with this idea because I could definitely see more following suit and having less of this like rock star. We see it like thousands of people on a team. It's just, I don't think sustainable in a lot of ways. It, it, it's it's a valid discussion and, and it could be an industry pivot right before our eyes that we're not even realizing, you know, could happen. And I, I'm of, I am of a firm believer that, you do need to know what the core essence of your game is. And I do feel in the industry, sometimes with the bigger teams, not all the time, but sometimes, sometimes you play a game and you're like, damn, this thing has so much potential, but, you know, they didn't know what they wanted to be. They're like, do you want to mm -hmm. be a stealth game? Do you want it to be an action? You're trying to put all these different elements in it, but you don't have your own identity. Yes. And I think the best games know what they are and they stay true yes. to what they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that could hopefully, again, if proven successful, if initiatives, vision proves successful, you, I think you'll start to see, it's like a copycat league. You'll start to see other new studios, you know, kind of adopt things like that or make pivots. So mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm just going to be curious to track. Yes, absolutely. So thank you for writing in, Rogue. Certainly an interesting conversation to have. And now let's talk with Sean Paul. Hey, Dukes. I recently just played uh, Gears or God of War. That was a Gears of War. I'm in that Xbox mindset. Uh, God of War and Horizon Zero Dawn for the first time on PC this past month. And now I'm making my way through Elden Ring, which got me thinking. How much technical innovation is necessary for Starfield to be considered a truly great game? While I'm a fan of Skyrim and I'm tolerant of Fallout 4, you can't deny that the games are both ugly and janky. We'll talk, we'll talk. Hell, the studio is commonly referred to as Bugthesda and not yes. without reason. Hold on, hold on. With Sony having a really high standard as regards to technical quality on console, do you think God Howard is sweating a bit? Thank you and have a, my cat tried to show me affection for once and mortally wounded me in the process kind of day. Dude, that's why I don't own cats, by the way. They just terrify me. Like, they just are cute one moment. They're like, Ow! and they just, yeah, you're like, I'm a dog guy. What can I say? All right, Cog, what do you feel is the, how far does Starfield have to go on a technical level to get people to drop the bug and bug Thesta? Yeah, this is a good one. This is a very good one because, you know, a lot of people who love the Sony first party, you know, they love that technical energy. They love that graphical fidelity. And I like it too. I'm not going to lie. And things be looking really pretty over there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, Alloy looking good. You know, shout out to my people of color looking really nice mm. over there. It's really cool looking. Look, it's all good. You know, I will say that that draws you in, right? No question. But at the end of the day, the essence is the core and the gameplay. And I want to shout out Addict because we've had this discussion before and he's a big proponent of this. And I think what Elden Ring is proving is that you don't have to be the most technically beautiful game. But if you do something different gameplay-wise, if you do something different structure-wise that no one else is doing, you'll still get the appeal. So I'm still going to be of the mindset that I know it's going to be crazy because I am hashtag just one and I love graphical fidelity. I love graphical fidelity, but it does show if you do something innovative, people are going to gravitate and Elden Ring is proof. It's not the most beautiful game I've ever seen. It's not the graphical fidelity. Oh my God, this is Elden Ring, but it's what it's doing, right? So to his question Great with point. Starfield, look, 
we know the history with creation. You know what I'm saying? But it's the flexibility of the engine why people love it. It's the questing. It's the choices. It's the consequence. That's why people love. They want to see how they affect the world. They want to be part of a faction. They want to be, you know, the Dark Brotherhood. You want to be the Thieves Guild. You want to, like, you want to do this. You want to see how your things affect the world. And I think, and also the law system, I always felt like, it was always something that was really cool in, mm-hmm. in, in Bethesda games. And just like, yo, if you're still in this town, you had this reputation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it, it go carry with you. So I yeah. love that kind of, I think the systems is what really drew me to becoming invested in like a game like, you know, Elder Scrolls. So look, I think it's going to be not as bad as people think it's going to be. Like people acting like this is going to be an absolute, Man. you know, crappy looking game i don't think it's gonna be that but i'm at the same time I'm not going in expecting based on the history like this is going to be coalition level graphics you know i'm, I'm not coming right. in expecting that but i think it's gonna be better than what is anticipated the key for them the gameplay the story the questing does it do something new in the genre if they do that and it's not the technical achievement graphically they're still gonna blow people away that's yeah. how i feel but i'm curious about you and the slander. <laughs> I don't deny that VGS games are, are are janky, but I don't think they're ugly. I really don't. Mm. I, I think for what they're doing for their time, I think Fallout 4 is a good looking game. I know the character models are a little hit or miss. I think that's a good looking game. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think like when you look at Oblivion, I'm like, this is a beautiful game for 2006. Oh, like, I went back, yeah. I, yeah. I was like, yeah, it's still look good. Like even when you fire it up, of course, yeah, the, the facial animations are not oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I, I say, I think it's a beautiful game. But uh, I, I understand the notion of bug thesda i always found it fascinating because like i've experienced like a bug here or there in their games typically like funny ones like oh this person's head is backwards while they're talking to me but i've seen these compilations of just absurd bugs in their games that i've never i play them all the fucking time the time i've never seen them i've seen it with 76 that's why i kicked the shit out of that game but i did not really experience that heavily with fallout 4 so i always find it interesting I wonder how much just reputation precedes these types of games and releases. And I'm wondering if they're tired of that and they can write the record. Cause the biggest win that Starfield had at E3 was not just showing off new IP, but that people thought it was CGI. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought. I was like, yo, yeah. People thought it was CGI. Good. And I don't think it looked like CGI, but people were like, so we get a crappy CG trailer. I'm like, that shit was gameplay. It's getting an engine, but that shit in was engine. gameplay. Yeah. Um, and, and that doesn't mean it's going to be representative of the final product, but I think it'll be close to it. And uh, again, that really showed to me they've come far already. And um, and I don't think it'll blow our socks off because I'm right there with you, right? I think the focus needs to be on the systems because Fallout 4 in a lot of ways, the reason I defended it as a joke, but really in seriousness, is because it did move a lot of things on a technical level forward for Bethesda Game Studios as a whole. It's shooting, uh, it's it's immersion, it's lesser load screens, I do think it's visuals, it's color palette, and people were talking about the systems and what was wrong with that and how it was underwhelming compared to previous BGS games. So I'm right there in the same area as COG where if BGS makes a game that evolves what that exploration is, where, I mean, the dream really for me is, and I could get all fanboy here, the dream for me is this, COG, that, of course, we know the horizontal exploration of a BGS game you of see course. the map bar on the top. You're like, what's that cave icon mean? You go in there, you find a story in there. But that I can get in my ship, go to the stars, kind of like No Man's Sky, go to the next planet, Yo. land in a specific area, explore again, and have that feeling again. That would 
reinvent, like find a ship floating out in space and be like, yo, wait, can I board mm. that? Can you board that? Like that exploration, because that's what they're good at, man. Not even good at, that's what they're fucking phenomenal at. And if they reinvent that, I think it's one of, outside of God of War, I think it's one of the few games that will challenge Elden Ring, possibly. Right. Not greatest game of all time challenge, because I know that's right. what a lot of people are saying, but I think on a level of innovation, it's been a while. People have forgotten what it's like when a good BGS game rolls Thanks. around. I think I Fallout 4 was universally enjoyed, but I'm talking a Skyrim. I'm talking a yes. Fallout 3, a Oblivion. So if they get the, again, really just riding the coattails of COG here, the system's right, that is what will matter. Do they need to mm -hmm. innovate technically? Yes, but I think because the expectations are so low, they're in a good spot. They can make some marginal, like, we got the new engine. Things look generally better compared to our last release. 76 sucks. So, hey, <laughs> we, you know, like, look at this game. Look at our next one. Like, what people are going to do transformation comparisons. They're in a powerful position if they nail this one. So, I don't think Todd Howard's sweating in turn. Todd doesn't seem, from my interactions with him, doesn't really seem to give a shit about what's going yeah. on beyond his own studio, which is why I think the tunnel vision hurt them with fallout four and 76. But I think now is a time where it's going to really benefit them. So, yeah. um, a great write in here for Sean, anything you want to add? Cog? No, same thing. I'm like, listen, God, how he good right mm -hmm. now? He know what he do. Like he, he ain't worrying about these dudes. I mean, all that other stuff is nice and all that, but at the end of the day, that reputation precedes itself. You, you can't take away the resume and the resume has shown he, this is the studio that has given us these Elder Scrolls games, the Fallout series. Like we we, we got we can't be disrespectful now. I understand, yeah. but we can't I, be disrespectful. I agree. I just yeah, I, that's what always baffled me. And I sound like such a fanboy this episode. And I do apologize because no. you know I do love their games, but I am critical of them. But I, I always never understood the idea that like once they made. 76 and it was very bad that they were like right. instantly a bad developer i'm like in my eyes they made one really bad game but uh please go i'm gonna tell you what i'm gonna tell you what the real issue is here why people are doing all this to god out. let's let's hear this is because the rumor is and we're gonna do it we're gonna go extremely fanboy if microsoft gets a hold of the studio you who knows what's gonna happen so what has to happen is starfield needs to be a good game an amazing game to dispel that so that people go, oh, okay, all right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's amazing, and it's under the Microsoft banner because the rumor is that Microsoft is going to destroy the studio and somehow <laughs> put their tendrils in, and and they're gonna tell Todd Howard to put sixty-five thousand multi, you know, yeah. transact microtransactions in it. It's gonna, be, you know, that's what I'm trying to say. So Microsoft needs the win because there is a base that feels that that feels that you know i need to see first before we see you know what i'm saying that's mm -hmm. what it is and until that happens then you we, we, all that talk goes out the window and mm -hmm. that, trust me if all it takes is for a game to land and people see their little metacritics that they see and then they're gonna be calling or calm down all this talk gonna go away and that's yeah. what it's up to microsoft to prove that yep absolutely Let's move on to beloved Emperor. Hello, Thievius, Raccoonus, Maddie, and Void 3.0 Cog. Mm. Those Sly Ooh. Cooper rumors, I they have been they've been riling me up, man. So yes. it took a lot for me not to mention it in this episode because I know we're we gotta stay mostly Xbox here, but when I saw them, they've been <laughs> popping up lately. <laughs> Woo! I know you're oh going my crazy. God, man. I was like, you know, because it started off with like 
little reports, murmurs, and then this website got updated. I'm like, they're definitely doing something with it. They're definitely. So it's just a matter of when, baby. Mm -hmm. Apparently, Pixel Opus is working on it, by the way, which is which is a great pick. They're the ones who did Concrete Genie. Like, that is a awesome okay, pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an cool. awesome pick. Yeah. Provided that's true. We'll see. Anyway, sorry, beloved Emperor. You, you said the sacred word, so I had to go on a little bit. With Square Enix's recent string of games either failing to meet expectations, Guardians of the Galaxy, or being right flops, like Babylon's Fall, do you think the timetable for Square selling its Western studios is sooner rather than later? Thanks for the great content every week. P.S. I both of you have a wiped by the final boss in the new raid only to be saved by the final second damage from a lasting impact rocket kind of day. Have you been here, Yo. Cog? Has this happened? I that is very relevant. I know that's a hardcore Destiny fan. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Um, one of the raid teams that completed the raid won it in that fashion where the oh. whole team was wiped, but they shot a rocket on the way out, and it had this perk called Lasted Person that detonates three seconds after it hits. So it looks like the game over screen's about to go on, and then boom, the boss dies with that last hit, oh. and then the whole team gets wiped. They're like, oh! Uh, it was a, it was a moment on so whoever that beloved emperor i know you're a destiny fan because that went viral for that team that did it i believe shout out to my man um amazed that he was part of that team but yeah salute to them man i know what you're talking about but uh yeah to the question on what he's saying he's saying he thinks square should be selling sooner mm. than later with you know bad is it time cog is it time is the timetable accelerated with what's going on with flops and expectations not being met they just announced a plethora of games as we talked about at the top with the new Valkyrie game. Yeah. Got a new platinum game in the mix, possibly, or at least co-developed yeah. platinum game. So are are they gonna start to sell the Western studios? Like a uh what was, who who made uh I don't yeah, Idos Montreal made Guardians. Idos Montreal made yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I mean, it definitely feels like the Western divisions in the doghouse. <laughs> it just yeah. feels that way. That's all I can say. Still dynamics. She's getting the shit kicked out of the man. It's not all right. <laughs> oh, it just it just does. So it's like, you know, do they look at them as the scapegoat? Do they look at them as yo, y'all not producing? Like, but we still to this day think it's a little weird that they're allowed to go work on perfect dark like i i think it's a little interesting i know Daryl Gallagher. yeah Gallagher has the relationships but it's like be gone get from my face avengers team go <laughs> you know and take a bag so i mean one thing about square is they are willing to take a bag they to me all they're the the greatest mercenaries out here they are out here getting the bag from whoever whether it be from an exclusive standpoint marketing standpoint game pass standpoint you know, initiative, you want, we will give you a studio to help you co-develop. They willing. So I, I don't put it past them. I would not be surprised if, you know, the Crystal Dynamics things happen because, you know, Perfect Dark Hits, it's a good thing. Initiative likes the relationship. Mm -hmm. And then here you go, Crystal Dynamics in the Xbox Game Studio family, which I wouldn't would have a problem with. So I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. Just again, we always wondered if it was possible to extract teams. And then we saw what happened with Tencent where they bought a majority stake in Aaron Flynn's new studio and pulled them from another publisher. So it is possible. And 
even people can fly. That's another team that apparently under delivered, even though I think Outriders did very well. Yeah. And I remember you playing the the new update with the expansion. That's one that I yeah. really wanted to get around to. Rise is good. Yeah. yeah, it's good. But it, it's really you know good. that was a game that I thought seemed to do quite well. Uh, game Pass aside, um, mm-hmm. I think Game Pass helped save that game. But it you know yes. it, I I could see them toying with the idea. Again, mm-hmm. it's about finding the right suitor here. Everyone's kind of leapt to Xbox, and I think they're they're working on Crystal Dynamics, right? Like if they like what yeah. they see, I think Gallagher is going to step into Phil's office and be like, "Look, we need this type of team, <laughs> you know, the 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 workhorse, effectively." But we're in a different mm-hmm. position now. Does Xbox make a move like this where this conversation is even sparked? If they already had Activision in-house with all of those different support studios. Do all these support studios end up working on their own game? We have yet to know this, but do you think they would have gone out and struck a deal with Crystal and Square Enix in turn if they already had Activision in the fold to, to sort of be the grunt force behind Perfect Dark? It's a good question. I think we may need to uh, get our LSM affiliate on soon, mm-hmm. um, Hog Law, because the reason being is that we know what's going on with the climate with Activision, right? And and, and a lot of new information is coming out there. Yeah. But I am so curious, man. Like, can they make that move now, right? Can they? You know, I'm just curious, you know. So yeah, like I I, I don't know. I don't I don't know. This this is something with with the structure that I put it this way. I know Microsoft will want it to happen, but the other thing too is we also see in a pattern lately where Microsoft to me seems to be allowing people to work with them. Mm-hmm. And I'm almost getting a sense like it's a trial run. Let's see how you do. Yeah. See how you do. You know, yeah. you're working with Redfall. You're working. Okay. These guys are, what's, what's these guys? Um, who's Avalanche? What's an Avalanche doing? That's, that's them, right? The Avalanche Contraband? is doing. Yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, give you contract. Go, go check that out. Chris said, okay, you're going to work with it. Go check that out. And then if it goes well, Maybe that's the, you know, the prelude to the deal, yeah. right? Kind of thing. I'm just, they're, they're moving a little different and I'm very curious right mm-hmm. now what happens. And the main thing to me is the cloud about Microsoft Activision. That, that's a big one. Does that stop anything? Mm-hmm. Does that, you know, is the block too hot? <laughs> yeah, yeah right. We're, we're, we're reading that there's potential of like it's stopping the deal because of what's going on with shareholders and, and potential insider trading. And it's like, oh, God, man. And then, you know, if I'm them, if this they know internally is impacting things, then you might just want to make deals because if they're available, just because there's a chance, as we've always said, that the Activision deal falls through. So... It's definitely worth entertaining the idea that they may extract a studio at some point. But I like the idea that if they get Activision in full, that they start doing what PlayStation did and nurturing, if you will, over time. Yeah. To to me, that's nurturing. To me... Organic. Sorry, I used the wrong (laughs) term. Organic. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah, like, that's part of it. Yo, we're not just going to throw you a bag. Let's create a working relationship. Let's see how... You know, we co-develop or you work on this game for mm-hmm. us and let's see how it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, listen, you, you got to date sometime before you put a ring on it. You just mm-hmm. can't just throw the rings yeah. around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I got. We'll see. We will see. Thank you for writing in. Beloved Emperor. Last question of the show goes to Andrew. He says, hello, fine dukes. 
I just asked a question for this mailbag of Collins, so I figured, why not ask the Dukes as well? Do you prefer Fallout or Elder Scrolls games more, and why? Also, which is your favorite Bethesda game from each of the two settings? P.S. Matty, it was really cool to learn about your connections with Ukrainian people. I learned Russian while I was in the U.S. military, and many of my teachers were Ukrainian, so I feel a similar kindred spirit to Ukraine as you do. Best regards, Andrew M. Thank you, Andrew, for writing in. We really appreciate that, and, and thank you for the kind words. Very cool. So... As you can tell, our audience was just in a very big Bethesda mood this week. That yes. was kind of the general consensus when I was done writing. I went, we're going to talk a lot about Bethesda. Oh, yeah. Cog, you got a preference? Ooh. You have a favorite here? <sighs> Elder Scrolls, Fallout, to, Fantasy, Post-Apocalyptic, Sci-Fi. Trying to get me to pick between my kids and it's <laughs> like, come on, Andrew, don't do me like this. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. You know, look, Fallout is amazing, man. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to disrespect Fallout. I just raved about Vats and how much I love it and the post-apocalyptic and the vault and the number you come out. And... Mm -hmm. But I got to be real. Oh, really? I'm surprised to hear. Please continue. Elder Scrolls changed my life. Like, mm. Elder Scrolls is, is like, wow. I never forget launching Oblivion for the first time. And I was just like, yo what is this like this is amazing like right i i remember like stealing from someone's house <laughs> and being stopped <laughs> by a guard and like yo what are you doing fam what are you doing <laughs> you gonna pay this right now or you i was like a game is judging me i got this morality like what why is these items marked in red i thought i could take what i want to do right. i'm looting people's houses i, I thought I, I, it's an rpg i can do what i want Right. And it was just like, and then the weapons and, and Skyrim, bro. Like the the scaling mountains and, and getting your first spells and fighting Draegor and, and dungeons and the, the elven. Like, bro, like I love you, Fallout. I love you, Fallout. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and I know it's sacrilege because I know Fallout made you. I know. But for Maddie, mm -hmm. this is Elder Scrolls. Yeah. I don't realize we talk about Elder Scrolls. Yeah, Elder Scrolls made me, man. Skyrim made me. That's the that was the game. That was the the official Mr. Maddie launch pad. Like there Bro. without Elder Scrolls, there is no Maddie. And a lot of people think that's the case with Fallout, but no, indeed. Right. It's Elder Scrolls. And, and, and I, I gotta even give some love to Morrowind because oh, I of remember course. Yeah. I remember OG Xbox and I had it. And I didn't have Morrowind. And my friend of mine, I forget, it was an old job worker. He's an Xbox guy. Shout out to I had to catch up with him. I haven't spoke to this guy in years. <laughs> but um, good dude. Like, you know what I'm saying? He worked at the same job. He's Xbox. He's like, yo, you got to play this game more. And I'm like, what is that? And he was like, yo, bro, this game's amazing. You could do all these things. You could And I'm like, it was so complex and ambitious mm -hmm. for its time. And I'm like, yo, this is amazing. And I was like, oh, that's them that made that game? Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't even know that was them when right. Oblivion came out. And I'm like, oh my God, but that's just, oh my God, they're amazing. They're the greatest. Like, that's what it was. It's just the complexity. And, and I never forget, this one, I, I know this is silly, but I always was amazed by like, you have a, like, I used to run like two-handed style for a little bit. Oh, of course. Before, and I used to do, you know, then I used to do sword and shield. But I remember every time I blocked, your block level increase. So I would just do actions and then the game would reward me mm -hmm. based on how I played and the frequency. If I did a certain specific spell, destruction magic increase. Like I was like, yo, this is, it's just, 
Elder Scrolls is a movement. And come on, let me. And, all right. Now, this one is controversial, <laughs> what I'm about to say. But because Fallout's theme music, I'm not going front. Mm-hmm. Chef's kiss. I'm not going front. Yeah, yeah. Doom, doom. When that joint hit, yeah. it, 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 you feel it, no doubt. But when that Skyrim hit. Oh, dude, Oblivion, Moral, and all them. When that. Bro, that's it. <laughs> That's it. The Fusu, that's it. That is, that's it. I don't want, I'm sorry. Hey, I love you, Fallout. <laughs> if I could pick one, if it's a desert island, it's an island, and I can only play one. Right. We, the numbers don't lie. Men lie, women lie, but the numbers don't lie. Skyrim is played every year, and ta- God Howard laughs at you. He says, stop <laughs> buying it. If you don't like it, because you still buy it. And they sold it again. This and they sold it again. That's why it's the GOAT, man. I, yeah. I got to give it to him, man. That's, that's just me. So Neither of these picks are this. wrong. Of course, right. my pick is pretty obvious. It's been telegraphed for a multitude of episodes. I'm a big Fallout guy. Oh, my Elder Scrolls. Elder Scrolls made me, and I love Elder man. Scrolls. Like if, if Bethesda said, we're, we're dropping Elder Scrolls 6 instead of Fallout 5, I would be... I would not be angry because Elder Scrolls still kicks ass, but Fallout, man, there's just something special about a Fallout game. <sighs> the Fallout created my love for fifties music entirely. Like oh, I fact, still fact. grind technically the Fallout soundtrack, but that is like my favorite genre of music to listen to um, when I'm just chilling. Because for me, like that just, good times right it's funny it's, it's post-world it's war ii f- right but it's like you know, it's just an, it's an era of music that i love i I love the style of it and and then you have this game where there are laser rifles and plasma rifles and mutants but you're listening to that it makes no sense and that's why it's so incredible that it exists because just a group of people at one at one point said fuck it why not right the way they shaped this license from what it once was, this isometric RPG to the first and third person open world games we know nowadays. Again, I just can't commend them enough. Like the the transformation is incredible and it still feels very fallout as someone who's played the original ones. Like it still does. For me, I think what pushes me over the edge, Cog. I gotta hear this. Setting. Setting. Okay. You know, I, I was growing up a big Assassin's Creed fan because I love the setting, right? I, I, call, I always call it history the video game. You know, am I going to the American Revolution, the Italian Renaissance, so on and so forth? That's what really clicks in me with Fallout. What bombarded location in the United States of America am I going to? And how has it been transformed? Where I think that's where the creativity shines. Seeing the Lincoln Memorial be used as a radio tower to send out messages to, to the people. Shout out to Three Dog. Yeah, shout out to Three <laughs> Dog, right? Love Eric Todd Dellum's voice behind Three Dog. You know, the, the way they take these locations that you know you've seen you visited maybe and transform them into fortresses weapons uh, hosts of destruction it's incredible to me it's like the best form of artistic expression it's just a crunchy world where a lot of ideas that typically don't align all work in unison post-apocalyptic sci-fi mutants you know 50s music all coming together in one. Shout out to Pip Boy. It just, yeah, the Pip Boy. Even the character is cool, like the little. Yeah, I, I, I could go on really, but for me, I just think that with Fallout, there's, there's nothing quite like it. It's what I always, it's my go-to line whenever I talk about it. You get a lot of fantasy games, 
and that's not disrespecting Elder Scrolls because I don't think there's any better. No, you disrespected Elder Scrolls. No, because there's no better fantasy game than Elder Scrolls. But with Fallout, you can confidently say there's there's nothing at all like Fallout. There's just nothing like it. Role playing, mutant hunting, and fifties music, open world exploration. It's just top tier video games in my opinion. Peak fiction, nuking Megaton. I just Fire. the choices are legendary Fire. in these games. Like people Fire. always slam Bethesda Game Studios for their writing, and I'm like, oh no, there was choice. Yeah, I'm there like, was no one, no one talks in earnest. I feel about the specific choices in New Vegas because I think it's about branching narrative paths and not really necessarily the the monumental world shattering choices you make, but rather the faction you're leaning towards. That's not disrespecting Obsidian, but you don't have that megaton moment in fallout new vegas like and that's not to me start pinning these against each other but mm-hmm. i just feel like bethesda game studios choices get disrespected like when you have the 10 penny tower yeah you know, these rich tower, old people, yeah, people living there yes. and you can talk to the ghoul out front who's pissed off that they're living yes. up there with privilege and riches and yes. keeping them out and you yes. can raid from the basement come in kill them all like just the choices in these games are awesome across both of them i mm-hmm. love these games so much it's just a very unique game world so that's why I'm a little bit nervous about the TV show because I don't know if it translates well there. But, Kyle, you look like you're really judging this choice here. I'm very upset with you. Oh, <laughs> man. I get it, bro, but you wild. This is the first fight we going to have with the fight. <laughs> you wild. How dare you? Like, I get it, bro. I, like, and I love Fallout, but it's like we talking Elder Scrolls, man. <laughs> Like we really doing this? Like, of we, course, we, there's levels. Like, 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 I get it. And Fallout means so much to me. I love Fallout. Right, right. But this is Elder Scrolls. Do you understand what we do? We're talking about. Here's, here's why I'm coming for you. Because this, you, I had to post a lot. Yes, post-apocalyptic. Mm. But it is not. Very, you don't get the the snow cat oh, mountains. You don't on. get the varied biomes. You got green and orange <laughs> all day and a vault. I'm talking oh, about come going, on. bro. I'm talking about magic spells, dwarves, elves, Nords. I'm talking about races, red gods. They got black people in the game. They got red gods. <laughs> <laughs> like, bro, we got our own race. <laughs> I'm just joking. But all jokes aside, but like, bro, it's just like. The the, the 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 fantasy nerd L, like Game of Thrones slash you know what I'm saying Lord of the Ring you could do all your fantasies and then yeah. the play style now I will give you combat I will give you combat I will oh really me. wow I'm surprised no, about I, that that's like the one place I, I think Elder Scrolls completely wins in I, because the only thing is the butter knife part sometimes the, yourself be yeah. feeling like a butter knife sometimes but if you if you do like hack and slash stuff I, I, I like a little bit of, I like Vats I'm not gonna front I think mm. Vats is God tier. But bro, dragons. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Bro. Yeah, no, of course. I love I love Skyrim. Elder Scrolls, but we, Skyrim. Do you think any Fallout game could go against Skyrim? Uh, hmm. Come on. Man. No, no, not definitely not. 
Thank you. Speak with speak from the heart. Yeah. Speak from the heart. No, I'm speaking Come from on. the mind on that one. <laughs> my heart's my heart's saying, <laughs> "Don't play Fallout 3. My mind's saying, "Yeah, Skyrim. Skyrim's legendary." Come on, man. Like it's just a moment, bro. That's mm-hmm. all I'll say. I say. And I get it. Look, it's personal choice. At the end of the day, th- we this is personal choice. This is this is yeah, you know, yeah. what we like. But I I was shocked. I I I was shocked that you still stood on your square with this one. Oh, I, dude, I was very shocked because it's funny. You mentioned environment diversity and i'm like I, I think of something like fallout 4 which you have the commonwealth you've got the institute you've got mm. the glowing sea like you've got location diversity and like that series is all about that you know what does washington dc look like in the post-apocalypse i'll even i got a shout out 76 so much for so much it does wrong its world is great like what does post-apocalyptic west virginia look like and it's interesting it's got the bottom left corner which is used for uh, I think it was like coal mining or something. So it's very ashy there. Um, and then, you know, mm. then there's the southeast corner, I want to say. That's much mm. more colorful and open. And then the north is covered in sand and dunes. And, you know, there's just, I think there's that diversity you're looking for. You'll find mm-hmm. it. You'll find it. You're just not going to find Snow Peak Mountains and Fallout. You definitely is. Actually, right actually, Uh-oh. I'm wrong. Cog, Let's go. send your ass to Jacobstown in New Vegas. <laughs> Because they are there. There is snow-capped mountains there. There is. Aha. Got them. Aha. All right. You got me on one. Okay. But, I <laughs> one mean, location. I'm, I love Fallout. I just feel there's levels to it. That's all. I, oh, I just feel that one. Okay. one it, it, Fallout is unique to itself. I will give you that. It is unique. There's no, I agree with you. There's nothing like it. I will give you that. Well, of course. I just feel that. Elder Scrolls just change how RPGs are just made. Like I just feel yes. like it is a moment where every developer said, "Oh, oh, this is how we do open world." Mm-hmm. Oh, like to me that was a moment in game. It was a shift in the culture, but it's a fun one. I, I, yeah. I, 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 I resp- you know what I learned? I learned how much you love. Fun. Like I didn't know it was. I'm so shocked with the way I bitched and moaned for weeks that you thought I was still like pro, maybe pro Elder Scrolls. Yeah, I thought that, you know, gun to your head, you'd probably go, I didn't think you would write. Like, oh, you know yeah, what no. I got to introduce you to? My boy, Anchorman V. He is the <laughs> same. Like, he is Fallout to the death. Like, yeah. he, bro, we used to have wars and, you know, <laughs> he, bro, he be, look at, look at Fallout's a gold. Look at, look at the most gameplay. Look at, like, we would compare, we would battle each other on the placement right. of the games <laughs> on, on most played on Xbox. <laughs> It would be that. Like, oh, the new deals, the new Fallout expansion came. What's up? Yeah, he's he, he rides for it. Like you showed me something today. I'm yeah. murdered. Oh, Fallout, Fallout murders Elder Scrolls in DLC. I just got to throw that yeah. out there. It's yeah. it's not close in fact. that department. I just that's a fact. But we sold horses for ten dollars at one point. Yeah, yeah. Not even that. Just I think even like the mainline expansions. Like I just think Far Harbor is like the best expansion they made. What I've learned mm. though is because I love those games so much, like both Fallout and Elder Scrolls. I'm just mm-hmm. a fan of BGS. Like that's why I'm yeah, excited thanks. for Starfield because Bro. I can see myself potentially if it's good, loving it as much as Fallout, loving it as much as Elder Scrolls. Yes. Like they just make well, it's not seventy six. They just make really <laughs> great open world games to explore. And absolutely the, and and the idea to get on the Starfield train for a sec, that they're talking mm. more hardcore. Yes. More background creations so for your excited. character. Like so kinda excited. kinda like Mass Effect. I'm loving what I'm seeing here because that's been missing since Oblivion, man. And that's one thing I will... I think Fallout's got some of the best choices they've made, but like Oblivion and Morrowind, Bro. they got role-playing on the gameplay and front. Factions. Mm. 
bro, the dark brotherhood, the mm. thieves killed the fighting. Come on, bro. Wait, we're disrespecting the enclave, the brotherhood of steel. Come on, <laughs> man. We're disrespecting those. I think the Dark Brotherhood's the best faction they've made, like even above yes. anything they've done with straight Fallout. murder. Yeah. Straight murder. Yeah. It's not even close. They, like the storylines there, like, dude, there's literally Dang and Rampa in one of the missions in, in Oblivion where you just lock everyone in a room, people are dying, you're like, who's killing who? How do we get out of here? And just everyone's dead by the end of the quest line. It's incredible. It's incredible. Great, listen, great, great, great series. And the fact that it's the same company that made both. And yeah. the fact that we can compare these shows you the greatness, right, of yeah. both of them. And it is, that's why hardcore gamers were so excited when Microsoft made this acquisition because right. we knew RPGs are on lock. Yes. That's it. They're the RPG mm -hmm. and the FPS. And for the future of Xbox, super bright. And yes. it, this is dope, man. These are, good, these are fun arguments to have. Because it's like, it's just greatness all under one roof and you battle it. You it know is. what I'm saying? I it love is. it. I Who's love the it. best of the best? So yes. that's our last write in there. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who wrote in. We appreciate you. And we hope you enjoyed episode 62 of, pardon me, I had to burp here at the end. It wasn't yeah. as loud as like Colin ripping ass in Sacred Symbols where he had to like boost it up. <laughs> I, I, I think I kept it nice and muffled there. But if I ever have a, an, a, a, a gas sound, we'll have Ben, as they would say, boost yeah. it up. But boost that up. anyway, I got off track there. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you all enjoyed episode 62 of Defining Duke. Cog, any closing thoughts or should we put a hashtag on this one? But yeah, it's a fire one, man. Another fire one. The end was, people got to stay for this end. That yeah, end yeah. we just did was, yeah. was fire. Like, I was <laughs> hilarious. Flannel status. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> we got to put a status. I don't know what you want to go with. Which, this was a good one, man. Yeah, there was a lot, there was a lot happening here. There really wasn't a, a focus like point. A, yeah, it wasn't a focus point. I mean, the Bethesda joint at the end was almost a lot like, of Bethesda in this show. Yeah, a lot Bethesda of Bethesda DD in this. Maybe just a little. What you say? Bethesda DD maybe. Yeah, we might have to throw, but it was just it was very Bethesda dominant because we had the spy team thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a great '76 discussion mm -hmm. about what should happen, shouldn't happen. Yeah, like Bethesda definitely. Yeah, we might yeah, have this to is give it to them. Weirdly, but that's the show. Now it was think... a and it wasn't planned. That's no. the funny thing. It really wasn't planned. It just organically happened. So yeah. I, it's got to be Bethesda in some fashion, okay, some form. Yeah. So we'll do hashtag Bethesda DD if you got this yes. deep into the show, whether it be in the comment section of the video, patron post on Twitter. I'm at G27 Status. That's at Lord Cognito. You can tag us there with the hashtag. Let us know what you thought of the episode and what we could do better, what we should keep doing. And other than that, Cog, it's time for us to sign out and we'll mm -hmm. reconvene with episode 63. So until then, everyone stay frosty. We'll see you soon. Peace out. Peace. Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from the United States of America. The show is conceived by Matthew Mr. Matty Plays Schroeder and me, Colin Moriarty and is written and produced by Matthew Schroeder. Maddie's co-host is Barry Lord Cognito Eversley. Defining Duke's executive producer is Dustin Furman, and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Defining Duke, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level on Patreon, and we're thankful for your kindness and generosity. 
Andrew Morgan, Stephen Nieder, Ross Barranca, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, SLVFMA, Daniel D'Amour, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Dave Cowell, Tom Quinn, Stephen Innerfield, Salty Trees, My Name is Effing Mayo, Logan Byford, Eddie Medina, Jason R. Zahn, Christopher Knock, Zeno Adam, Grayson Maxwell, Cody Woodall, Nuclear Prostate, Jonas Young, Sorta Serious Gaming, Unofficial Controller Podcast, Colin Farley, Mark Arnold, Zia Parix, Henry Groth, Relentless Rex, Troy Miller, Meyer Katz, J.A. Zhu, Tristan Palacios, Drew Mullen, Christian R., Jad Rita, Benjamin Muma, Patrick Skipper, Sweaty Mitt, Chris Kelly, Dustin Graff, Peyton Stone, Jalapeno, Josh Hallen Rui, Tyler Watkins, Michael Buffel, Troilus True, Dan Root, Talisman, Christopher, Randall Holsey, Robbie Nauman, Nuke Dukum, William Holbert, Josh Godfrey, Kalike Zuza, Vornak, Betty Ann Moriarty, Daniel Johnson, H. Trons, Jay Getter, Bjorn Campbell, Jeff Mercado, Gregory Slavinsky, Jordan Gale, Greek Thunder of Fortuna, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Poot, Gavin Newland, Saul Balcazar, Brian White, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Alex Bolton, Matt Flowers, Kinnums, Joseph Baker, Cruxes, Chris Moore, Caswell, Anti Kinnanen, Chris, Dave Alvarez, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Justin Gonzalez, Mason Cadillac, Ollie Fritz, Zach Allen, Kyle Hagel, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., Dave Bostick, Stewie 108, Patrick Montgomery, Daryl Rodriguez, Fat Houdini, Richter 86, Steve Hodge, Barrett Boswell, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Kevin Komaki, Johnny Waffles, Roto 24, Jonathan Coach, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Jordan Town, Brian Chan, Organic Produce, Shane St. Pierre, Carlos Algorit, Dominic, Mike Menzel, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubba, Josh Yeager, Martin Beck, Gavin, Joey Andrichek, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, Lou and Ray Loper, Jonathan Cortez, Dylan Burns, Jason Lusky, Malachi Wall, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Anton Kay, Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bello, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zaniga, Sean Battershaw, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kiniston, The Rose Experience, and Grizzled Veterans Media, Tyler Goodwin, William O'Carroll, Jorge Powell, Jasper Jansen, Max Cannon, Phil Crone, Throw Seven, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, Lockmort, Geo Corsi, Joey Gondholiker, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, Brent Linquist, David Iacolucci, Paul Joyce, The Last of Us Part 2 fan, Edwin Castillo, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Spencer Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Garson-Peterson, Ryan Greenwood, Tyler Harris, Matthew Perdue, Patrick Harper, Josh Robinson, Mad Mock Media, Jonathan Rice, and Casual Misfits Gaming. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.